you have two messages. Message one. Hey Dave, it's Ewan. Uh, I'm just calling because um, you on, on the last episode you said that uh, I gave you troll dolls as a gift. Uh, I didn't give you those. Um, I, I think Sam actually gave you those. Uh, I, I gave you a boxed copy of Eternal Champions uh, and, and Lemmings 3 and, and some coffee crisps. Um, but actually, I'm, I'm, Sam, Sam probably won't even care, so you know what? Don't, don't even worry about it. Um, yeah, Sam won't care, so just, just forget it. It'll be fine. I'm sure it'll be fine. Thursday, 6.48 p.m. Message to... Hey, David, Sam, listen here, you motherfucker. Hey, boomers, welcome once again to another installment of your fortnightly online guide to the Sega-sational world of the 1990s and the UK's official Sega comic. It's Sonic the Comic. We, as ever, are the humans who think we're in charge around here. My name is Chris McFeely. My name is Dave Bulmer, and I've got a comic in my hands, flapping Me it about, too. ready to Did go. you hear that? Yeah. Hear that? There it is. Yeah. Oh, I just got a, bit, a face full of the dead-eyed stare of the boy on the back cover. We'll, we'll <laughs> yeah. Talk about that in a bit. Um, it's number eighty-eight. It's uh, it reckons fifteenth of October, nineteen ninety-six. Actually released on October the second. Ooh, October now. I know. What on earth? God, where's it all going, mate? We're, it's still the summer, as far as I'm concerned. Do you know what but... happens in November of nineteen ninety-six? Uh... Which is what th- th- four weeks off from now. What happens in November 96? A significant thing happens to us. The release of the final Mega Drive Sonic game. Oh, of course. In four weeks' time, Sonic 3D, and I'm there over at Beatty's with my pocket money. Got it for Christmas that year myself. Hmm. I mean, that's like the first time I actually got the new Sonic game for Mm. Christmas Mm. that year since the first one. I'd missed Mm. two, three, and Knuckles all at Christmas, but I got Sonic 3D Blast. And that's why... And it's the same as just true for you, uh-huh. as it is for I, yeah. that, like those children who grew up on the Sonic Adventure and Sonic Heroes <laughs> and all the rest, yeah. we think it's good, actually. Yeah. Yeah. We, have to, we all have to be wrong about something, don't we? Don't we, though? It, but, except us, because it's good, actually. Tr- luckily, it's the only thing that we've ever been wrong about on this entire podcast. That's never absolutely had a bad right. take in our lives. Nope, never. It says it on the business cards. Yep. Uh, well, the cover of this one is uh, a kitchen. Yeah, I love a kitchen cover. And it's Sonic fighting Mr. Fry. Remember Mr. Fry? He's the big hairy green bloke who works for Lord Sidewinder. And we were wondering, does he have a different name when he's Dr. Jekyll? I, I think I've remembered it. Ooh, okay, I don't. Maybe Should don't, I don't, say it or no, not? No, no, let, let me see mm. if we find out as we go. New Sonic story, Barmy Dreamers. Is that supposed to I don't know. Something? Okay, good, but at least you had the thought. Yeah. That, same as me. Barmy Dreamers, the ultimate nightmare. Yeah, it sounds like it's supposed to be an allusion to something. Yeah, yeah doesn't it? Barmy dreamers. But I do not but I don't know, know what. what. No, no idea. But there's also a new Tales story, Small Change, plus the Q-Zone revisited, Sonic 2 and 3, Echo and Comic Zone, PC reviews, oh. Good Lord, What Has Science Wrought, <laughs> Pixel Zone, Computer Artwork, and, and, yeah. as Dave alluded to a moment ago, <laughs> a Knight's In Your Face pinup, which we find over on the back cover. Pinup. Good God. This is what it's come to. <laughs> I described it as a dead-eyed stare, but I don't think I went far enough. It's the most dead-eyed, like, 90s CG stare 
and it's the boy from Knights. It's Elliot, the boy from Knights. It looks clipped out of a cutscene. Uh, I'm not familiar enough with the cutscenes to know if that's the case. Yeah, I wouldn't be a hundred percent sure. I mean, we saw some CG renders and things from Knights in that news zone last issue, but it wasn't that. No, it's not the same picture as that. And those looked really high res, whereas this is plausibly a satin screenshot with the distance between us and the satin. I don't know if my memory's clear on that. Perhaps this is too high definition for that. But it definitely, it's off a telly anyway. It's all pixelated. There's even, you see that slight banding under his, his right eye, our left? I do, I do. I and, and on the bridge of his nose, there's a little yeah. circle. There. You wonder if oh, that's... Oh, that's actually in the... Oh, no, I yeah. thought that was a stain. Yeah. <laughs> on my copy. <laughs> Elliot from Knights, Sega's latest Saturn release. <laughs> they really want you to know what's going on with Knights. It's not a good pin-up. It's not a good pin-up. It's just a boy with no expression on his face. Staring out into the distance with a a very that nineties. Um, there were two boy hairstyles in the <laughs> end of the nineties. That's true. My brother had this hairstyle. Right. There was your curtains, and then there was your single Tintin point in the middle, and uh, that's the one that endured. I think a, a lot of us still have that the Tintin point. I've certainly had it in the past. A friend of mine kept it. He may still have it now, and that's what Elliot's got. But his hair is blue, and his eyebrows are blue because he's an anime boy. He is an anime boy, but. Why is this what they've chosen to make the pen up of? Who remember? I'm okay. All right. All right. I'll be fair. Be fair. Mm -hmm. It's 1996. They wouldn't know what the weight of history would say about knights. True. Who remembers the kids from knights? Yeah. It's all about that one dude. Knights. Knights from knights. Yeah. And if you're going to have a secondary dude, there is an evil knights in it. What was there? Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Pop him up. What's his name? Days. Realer. (laughs) What? Hmm. Okay. It's not a great name. Yeah, we we used to say Riala and think that that was better, but no, it's just Riala because he's real and because they're, they're dreams. Don't worry about it. I wasn't. <laughs> I'd already moved on <laughs> mentally. I'm already down the road. All right, let's uh, let's get down the road to the control zone. Control zone. You must have had the same reaction as I did when I flipped open the control zone. This issue, which is like they had nothing. <laughs> well, my reaction was let's force ourselves to read the Megadroid intro and not just have our eyes wrenched downwards. Well, there's that, but I was thinking more about the (laughs) the sheer size of the font. (laughs) Yeah. Which immediately clued me into the fact they had absolutely nothing to say. There's one thing they're doing, and I don't know why. No, it's the the whole Control Zone Megadroid intro is themed around food. Yeah, but not for any reason. For absolutely no reason whatsoever. By the way... Megadroid intro. Do you remember when we could call this the welcome screen? Uh, Do you remember? It used to be called welcome screen. Well, to be fair, that's what they they actually used to call it. But exactly, they, and they know, don't now because it's because it's woke culture gone mad. Is why? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's because simply when they redesigned the comic, they took the title bar off the box. Yeah, that, that, no, that's I why. Think that's a shame. I for, I, I genuinely forgot they actually used to call it that. Me too. Till just now. So anyway, Megadroid says yeah. if you like your comics. Well done. Mm. You're in for a treat. Spoon-fed to you this issue mm. includes a double helping of new stories. Helping. Helping. Like a bird's helping. There's also a taste of dolphin friendliness. Taste. Uh, taste. A taste of dolphin friendliness, like dolphin-friendly tuna. Like, that's a kind of food. Like Whoa, friendly. is it? Yeah, yeah, dolphin-friendly tuna. It's like, you know, whatever way they, they farm the tuna means dolphins don't get caught in the nets. That's oh, nice. Another little stealth food one. Nice. Yeah, a little stealth food. Got that from the stealth food shop. 
along with a PC review, which includes Echo the Dolphin, plus if you feel like a second helping of Knights, helping because we had the first helping last time. There's the pinup mixed together, mixed like you like you mix food, mix food in a mixing bowl with more Sonic Q zones. It's more than a I don't know. What the, I just like this line. It's more than a mortal can take. <laughs> so I'm told. Megatroid confirmed immortal. He is <laughs> among us still. <laughs> well, he lives in our hearts. <laughs> Better go, boomers, as I compose this menu to you. Those excruciating humes are attempting to hide my microchips. Chips. We're talking about chips. You remember chips, but you remember plastic Micro chips? Chips. Microchips. Microchips just recently in the Megadroid strip. They yeah. weren't plastic. <laughs> no, they were. Well, they were plastic chips. Was what that oh, in the female yeah. <laughs> droid was eating, and you were like, "Why not call them microchips?" And they're a bit late to the pun game, but here it is. Yeah, they got there eventually. I'll resist the temptation to hide their deep-fried lard bars in retaliation. What I have to put up with. Well, they were really in the wars. This is the fortnight, weren't they? Right in that. Three paragraphs of nonsense. <laughs> How did they say? What are they doing? Never mind. No, there's no, there's no justifying, is, is there? They were like, "Wow, somebody was." It was like five on a Friday, and they were like, "This has to go <laughs> off to the printers now." And I'm hungry. <laughs> And then underneath it, we have got, this was what was attracting my attention, a great big yes. picture of Chuck and Head. Hey! It says, happening to a Halloween issue near you. Be afraid, be very afraid. They're back next issue for another Mega Mental run. It's Mega Mental again. We've heard that we one have. before, Mega Mental, yeah. What am I talking about? Decap Attack, of course. So get ready to be reacquainted with Frank Igor, Chuck and Head, the stars of one of STC's most popular strips. You have been warned. I like that. Most popular strips. Yes, hello. None of this pretending like Decapitac yeah. is the unwanted nonsense that snuck under Megadroid's radar somehow. Finally, an open admission that Decapitac is brilliant and we should have more of it. <laughs> the Shots. Check it out. Number one, Olympic Summer Games. Not interesting. Sports. Number two, Brian Lara, Cricket 96. Not interesting. Sports. Number three, new <gasps> Worms. Whee! That's a proper game. That is Worms. <laughs> How did it work on the Mega Drive? I know was... nonsense, isn't it? That I, a friend of mine had it on the Mega Drive, and you just like you bought Lemmings on the Mega Drive as well, didn't you? What are you playing at? This is a mouse game. Mm. I mean, you could buy a mouse. Oh, I suppose you could notionally, but who yeah. actually did? Have you ever seen one? Never, only in in this comic. Yeah, you know, back back was it issue three when they were talking about peripherals? Yeah, no, I, I've never met anyone who had one. I don't think. And if you had one, boomers, then don't just tell us. You got to prove it. You got to send us a picture of you with it. <laughs> <laughs> and today's newspaper. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then there's a few new ones in the Saturn chart as well. Mortal oh, yeah. Kombat three in oh, okay. number one. I can't believe Mortal Kombat three is out already. Then loaded, whatever that is, at two, and uh, Road Rash for the Saturn in at seven as well. I've just had a little look at loaded and it looks like quite a bit of fun it looks i would say it looks a bit like alien breed sort of gauntlet with guns it looks like um oh uh hotline miami it looks like it would be amazing if any of that meant anything no come on no 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 hotline miami you'll have heard of this because it was just a couple of years ago well, i've it, heard of it that's the one where it's a top-down view and you're a guy causing absolute bloodbaths. It, as you look down, you've got your little man walking around and, and shooting people and axing people. Right. And it, was, it was borderline controversial amounts of violence, but because it was so stupid, it kind of was fine. <laughs> That's what this looks like. There's, I'm, I'm seeing a screen covered in big heaps of blood that have been left all over the floor by this guy shooting. Guys, right. robots, aliens, couldn't tell you what they are. Loaded 
Like a gun Like a loaded. gun is loaded. Like a bird's, bird's gun. gun. Yes. <laughs> loaded or unloaded. <laughs> the Ultimate Nightmare. Written and drawn by Nigel Kitching. Colours by Andy Pritchett. Letters by Tom Frame. Just as Sonic and the Chaotix crew discover that Supersonic is still moving at ultra-slow motion within the Omniviewer, Lord Sidewinder and his gang invade Chaotix HQ by means of shrinking technology supplied to them by Knack the Weasel. Intending to take possession of Supersonic, they use a Lightmare's box of nightmares to trap the Chaotix crew in their own worst nightmares. But Sonic avoids the effect and stands in their way. In the ensuing scuffle, Biohazard accidentally douses Lord Sidewinder in toxic waste, forcing the villains to withdraw to treat him, leaving the heroes to worry about Sidewinder's plans and Knack's involvement. A rare example of uh, kitching writing and drawing on a Sonic strip. Yes. I always does it with Decap Attack, but uh, I don't think we've ever seen it before in a Sonic one. He's drawn a bunch of Sonic ones before, but... Uh... You can see why he would have requested a separate colorist. That would have been a tremendous amount of work, wouldn't it, for one set of seven pages? Twood doesn't look nearly as good as, as if he'd coloured it himself. It doesn't... It looks fine, like. There's... It's fine, but it's not... It's not kitchen good. Yeah. And that makes you think, doesn't it? Because I don't think I've ever once thought about Nigel's colouring before. No, that's true. I'm all about the line work with Nigel Kitching's drawing, but I'll have to pay more attention to how he colours it, because there is something... I mean, my internal picture of it is that it's actually simpler and flatter than this. But It is, it is. I think that's, yep, definitely true. But that's definitely a strength rather than a weakness. That's not because... Yeah, well, it's because his, his lines are so minimalist. And the attempt to add more complex and dramatic and quite stark, uh, yeah. in, in many instances, shading and colouring to this. Uh, I mean, everybody has very high contrast highlights on yes, them throughout very, this very. strip. And uh, it doesn't lean into the strengths of the line art as much, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Anyway, to get to the story, I was again surprised to find that this actually returned to uh, to the supersonic thing as quick as it did, mm. with the heroes discovering what's it, what's it been one issue, Mister Shifter, and it was the issue before that that heroes and villains ended. Only one issue's gap. The big surprise for me is that because the, we had a, a sort of a cliffhanger epilogue type thing set up a couple of issues ago, where mm. yeah, Charmy noticed that the fingers were slightly different and said, well, I won't bother telling anyone. And so you expected that to build up over some time. and there'd be yes. big, But we just cut back to them going, oh, look. He's moved. They've just noticed it themselves. And then Charmy goes, oh, yes, indeed, diddly. I noticed Supersonic moved ages ago. Well, then why didn't you say something about it? Whenever I tell you stuff, you just yell at me. It's ridiculous. I never yell at you. <laughs> I love that wild take panel of Vector absolutely going. It's great. Do lally at Charmy. Um, this... I was a little bit lost at sea with this story. I don't think I know what this story was. Yeah, it's kind of... It feels like it's just a sort of an interstitial and in something bigger. Just some stuff keeps happening. Like, they're, they're, they're chatting on and then someone notices a box. I still don't know how that got there. I mean, that's the question, right? That, yeah. That's oh, good. I was wondering if you were going to have ah. that same question. Because the box just appears right mm. and the box is lightmares box of nightmares not the same nightmare box that we saw her open before which is the one she wears 
manacled around her wrist. No, this is like a treasure chest. Another one, a, a proper little treasure chest. Yeah. yeah, and they all and it appears like they turn around and go whoa, and they see it on the floor. Like it, it, it's like it appears. It's just there suddenly, and they open it, and like before with the nightmare box, the chaotics are trapped in their worst nightmares, which we don't see this time. No. Um, and then the villains climb out of the box and grow to full size. Yeah. Via shrinking technology that's been supplied to them by Knack the Weasel, which has been established as kind of be a Knack's thing now. Yes. Originally in the original chaotic store he had the disruptor that he used against the metallics which he had shrunk and tucked in his hat band which oh, yeah. then expanded to full size and then the knuckles knockout special carried the the idea of knack using shrinking tech on a bit more so shrinking is his is his thing so they grow to full size and then after they're defeated and and escaped they shrink themselves climb back into the box and then the box disappears yeah or or does it because yeah. what I thought was happening was that the box itself, because it's a green glow effect, and that's the same colour of the shrinking effect yeah. around the villains, is it shrinking away yeah, I thought that. through the molecules of the HQ mm. walls or into like a subatomic dimension where it'll move slightly and then grow back out? That's what I thought, Some, yeah. yeah. But Nigel Something is like writing that. and drawing this, so there's no problem with interpretation between the artist and writer, and, and he has done steam coming off the floor which i don't think you would do if it was something shrinking like that i think energy it's possible but wisps from the shrinking energy i don't don't, don't bother it's possible but you know what i mean that says to me that it's more like it's done some other kind of disappear Uh, yes it's as likely because if it was it's the secret hq of the chaotics like how did they get an atomic box in there well no it can't be that secret because the fundamental four knew where it was when they attacked it Oh, yeah. In the chaotic strip, so everybody must know where it is. And didn't we just establish that they've... No, we didn't. We established it's the secret base, and that there was another non-secret base. We were trying to figure out how did they all get back to this base without the Omniviewer. <laughs> yeah, that's it. They must have, like, like somewhere that they could... Well, maybe they just climbed in a box, because apparently that gets you there. <laughs> it's a little weird. There's there's something missing in the story there to explain. And, and maybe it'll be explained. I don't know. Maybe it will. So what we've got is... I mean, because we have this question of Knack hanging over the thing now. Knack provides the thing, and the footnote even says, you'll have to wait until next issue to find out more about Knack, says Megadroid. Yeah. And then the very the story ends with Sonic going, I heard Sidewinder mention Knack. I actively want that to carry on next issue and explain what's what Knack, and, and give us something about Knack working with it, because, reason being, otherwise, what we've got is they notice that Supersonic is in slow motion. The box appears, they all go into nightmares, Sonic has a little fairly generic fight with Sidewinder's gang, Sidewinder's gang goes away. Yep. L- so what's this issue for? What, what was accomplished in the span of the issue, yeah. Was it just to set up that Sidewinder's gang are trying to control Supersonic? Well, there is that. That does seem important, because before they were trying to work with Supersonic, but now Sidewinder says, this time... Supersonic will be my slave. But doesn't give any indication that they have any means of doing that. There's no... Well, well, yeah, that's true. But at the end of the story, Sonic specifically explains to the Chaotix, Lord Sidewinder even thought he could control him. And Espio says controlling him would make that loony lord ruler of the planet. So it genuinely does sound like there's a plot here where Lord Sidewinder has something new in action. Mm. That will allow him to control supersonic somehow. No, I have no memory of any of this, and I have no idea if or how it pays off. So this could be a key setup for something that's going to happen mm. in the big finale to all of this in twelve odd issues time, or it could be absolutely nothing, <laughs> and we won't know. 
until we get there. I do think it was a little bit empty feeling that two potential exciting things were set up. One that Lord Sidewinder thinks he can control Supersonic, and one that Knack might be working with them. But we didn't see... You know, Knack could have been standing with them. Do you know what I mean? That would have made that a bit more interesting. That's true. Even that would have made it a little exciting, yeah. And it would have... Yeah, that would have... Because that would have been the same reveal. <gasps> Knack's working with Lord Sidewinder, but we'd have actually seen it, which is a bit better than being told about it. The, the footnote feels so unnecessarily out of place in the middle of the story, you know, because Sidewinder mentions Knack and Megadroid's little footnote comes in and it's like... I would have accepted that if the story then did not end with Sonic saying, Knack, and the next issue box saying, next issue, mm. Knack's back due to demand. And I'm like, okay, well, you didn't need to tell me. I, I had to wait till next issue then. Yeah. In the middle of the story. Have some patience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Assume, or assume I have some patience. <laughs> I mean, it's seven pages. I think we can make it. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder... Yeah. If Lord Sidewinder is going to be all messed up the next time we see him. Oh, why? Oh, because he got because well, he gets a big dosing in toxic waste mm. from Biohazard. You know, Biohazard bokes a stream of toxic waste at Sonic, and Sonic simply ducks out of the way, and it splurges all over Sidewinder. And uh, what's Lightmare say? Just how poisonous is this stuff? Uh, it's pretty deadly. But I got the antidote back at the hideout. Uh, so they got to make themselves scarce. But look, when, when they're hauling him into the box mm-hmm. to drag him away, the way the goo is drawn, splattered over him, looks like we could have like a Lord Sidewinder Two-Face type situation yeah. next time we see him. Is he going to be all messed up next time we see him? Because that'd be interesting just from a visual standpoint. That'd be really cool. That's what we want though, right? <laughs> I mean, I think, yeah, I think we can safely say we'll be kind of disappointed if he yeah. doesn't wind up all Harvey Dent by the time the next time we see him. Yeah, but no, but I don't have any memory that I feel like I would have. If something as cool oh, as that had happened, yeah. yeah, if Lord Sidewinder had had half of his head eaten off, I'd been like, I'd have been drawing that, and I don't remember that. So ah, fair enough then. <laughs> we'll see though. You never know. But we I'm, will see. You never know because otherwise, these seven pages have the air of what was that for? Like, yeah, I won't disagree. It's all a bit set, and up. that's so. Yes, if it sets something up, then it's absolutely fine. And if it doesn't, it's a bit weird that it happened at all. Uh, yeah, I mean, it sets up the idea that Sidewinder... The, the key thing to me, it seems, is mm. that it's... Sure, Knack will be in the next issue, but that might be a story without real consequence in and of itself beyond Knack being in it, so we'll see. The key thing it seems to set up is that Sidewinder believes he has some method of controlling Supersonic, and if there is any payoff to that, I don't know. I think the trouble is that you could do that in... Let's say next issue, Lord Sidewinder says, with my new device, I think I can control Supersonic, and then he makes another go at it. You wouldn't need... A prequel story to that so that leaves this issue as having this sense of like i'm going to control supersonic and then they all just sort of slip on banana peels for a few pages and go away <laughs> <laughs> they turn up fail so stupidly and leave i mean they don't fail that stupidly biohazard's a pretty dangerous fella you know take a face full of top it, it's, yes yeah but if i got a face full of sludge and i fell over and had to go home i'd be a bit embarrassed i think <laughs> <laughs> Listen, this is a man who goes into battle wearing his bathrobe, so, you know. If I was like, if I took my hardest mates round someone's house and I went, get them, and instead one of them puked on my face, <laughs> I'd be embarrassed, and I'd, I would expect my foes to laugh at me for that. <laughs> I feel like this must have happened before. You know? <laughs> yeah. These guys have been working together for a while now. <laughs> uh, dialogue I liked on page mm. two. So Sonic's been examining Supersonic, right? And he's only just recently got the Chaotix to listen to him about Supersonic at all. 
And then the box appears, and the Chaotics all go over to it and go, Oh, I've never seen this before. What's this? And Sonic goes, Don't get distracted, guys. Which translates as, Don't do any silly Chaotics bullshit for a minute, please. <laughs> yeah, it's like, none of this superhero nonsense, please and thank you. Can we focus on the real problem? You know, the way they sell it here is that, um, what Sonic say? We all thought the Omni Viewer had trapped Supersonic by stopping time, mm. and uh, SBO says the Omni Viewer must have failed. He hasn't stopped time, he's just slowed it down. And that's it. That's the text of the story. That's what it is, mm. and that's what it says. I feel like I always thought as a child, and still enjoy thinking now, mm-hmm. that it was more a case of... No, that's just how fast he is. Oh. Like you can stop time, and he's faster Whoa. than time itself. You know, remember in the fourth dimension when Sonic outran history itself? That's how deadly dangerous and powerful Super Sonic is. That you can stop time itself, but he's still fast enough to move. Just that little tiny bit. I love that. You're coming dangerously close to Endomobius thinking with that, Chris, but I love it. <laughs> I dispute that. <laughs> <laughs> I think what I thought of it as is more like, there's only so much you can stop time and still exist in it, so this is it. it, it which is quite close, because Supersonic is so fast that Omniviewer, yeah, it's like he's gone to the dot before stopping time, and that for anyone else would be equivalent to stopping time, but not Supersonic. He's coming for you. But yeah, I feel like at any minute now, his fingers should start waggling really fast because of how fast he is. That's the thing. is like the finger is out the screen already. So if time is at a crawl and they're like, how much older yeah. than, the, than the rest of that? Which bit would be older? The finger or the inside? How much younger is his finger going to be? His fingertip than the rest of him? Imagine if just the momentum, right? Supersonic is shooting along at supersonic speed. And then he kind of like hits this barrier of time that his finger... Because his finger goes through it, there is still, like, it exists relative to him in some way. In some way, across time, he has hit this force. Mm. Imagine if, like, after this, you slowly start to see his bones separate and elongate as he just, (laughs) like, shoots apart. It's like he's pushing up against a door that someone is holding shut from the other side. And then the person on the other side just jumps away from the door and he crashes mm. through head first as time catches up to him on the other side. Easy PC. Uh, three-page review zone again, which is nice. There won't be many more of those in the future. But the whole first page of it is explaining that computers can do games now, you see. Yes! Sega powers onto home computers. Those boomers who've sent STC email and computer-generated pics, see this issue's pixel zone, will know how useful a PC, personal computer, is. You may even have surfed the internet for hot Sega-sational news. However, how many of you know that Sega have released a whole host of classic console games on PC CD-ROM? Doesn't just saying PC CD-ROM make it sound less interesting? It transports you back in time to an era, doesn't it? Yeah. PC CD-ROM. When did you last hear about a CD-ROM? Exactly, because CD-ROMs were like, at the time, they were like generally educational CD-ROMs. Uh, yeah. You know? Yes, technically, these games were also CD-ROMs, but they were games. The difference with these games being on PC is that you can experience the same type of game action you get from coin-operated arcades in the comfort of your own home, right? What's different about that and being on a console then? I feel like what they're saying there is that the PC 
it sounds like they're saying is better than the console. I mean, that yeah, that's the only way you could really interpret it, isn't it? Yeah. Which, that has always basically been true. There's ups oh, yes. and downs, but basically PCs have always been a bit faster than consoles, and so I guess that's what they're talking about. I guess. Yes, the dinosaur age of the PC has since changed from when games used to look dull and boring. Incredibly, it's all due to a tiny piece of gadgetry called hmm? the Pentium Chip. What? Which boosts the power of personal computers no end. <laughs> Amazing to me. Like, when I when I read Pentium chip, I think, oh, wow, the first Pentium chip. And then I remember, they're not even called Pentium chips anymore. It's <laughs> I-something. I-number chips, isn't it? Yeah, fives and sevens and things like that. Yeah, we've had the seven. I don't yeah. know where we are now. You can tell how long it's been since either of us played attention to the things we put in our computers, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. You think we would pay? They are literally our livelihoods. Yeah. You think we'd pay more attention. Yeah. And yet, here we are. It looks like they're called cores now. Intel Core that's i9. The, yes, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, in, I'm on AMD, you see. I don't know what that is. Didn't I not just get through establishing? I don't know. It's just somebody else. It's the same thing, but somebody else makes them. All right. This PC technology is able to offer richer 3D graphics, smoother animation, and faster gameplay. Sega have particularly paid attention to additional features in their PC CD-ROM releases, including live help screens and easy loading onto most standard PC equipment in the home. <laughs> Can I... Can I, I just want to pull the veil across on that a little bit. When they say easy loading, what they mean is it works. Yeah. That's standard. But, you know, you couldn't trust it back then that it would. No. No. And when they say live help screens, what they mean is that just, like, before you full screen your game, it appears in the form of a little window. And, you know, on help, when you, you know, help, the thing on the right-hand side of the menu, there's just help, there's a help file. That's all they've done. They've, they've just done that. Special character menus, which offer information about the main characters and badniks in the game, will also mm. appear in games like the PC version of Sonic CD. Yes, which had, which was out by this time, even yeah. here. That came out on the 2nd of October, so it's just out as this issue's coming out. And yes, it came with quite a, quite a robust help file, as I recall. Multiple topics to click on, and yes, there was like uh, character profiles and things. <gasps> and it just lists off what's come out in July. There's Baku Baku and Virtua Fighter were released... Uh, then Panzer Dragoons coming in October, Daytona USA in November, and Sonic 3, Sonic and & Knuckles, and Sega Rally in forthcoming months. With a brand spanking new lineup of games solely for personal computers coming after that at some point. And according to sources, they aim to keep the prices under the £40 mark. The price of these games should be welcome news for your piggy bank. Yes, that sounds like it was the case. Well, based on uh, the prices listed for Echo the Dolphin and Comic Zone here, which are both twenty nine ninety nine. Mm-hmm. But, you know, both these games have been reviewed before, so there's not much to say there in that regard. They're not just reprints of the reviews or anything. But... No. Interesting that they do have to print a little PC requirements box now, because you can't just put it in your Mega Drive. I like that, though. Well, I mean, I like it and I don't like it. I like it that they thought to include it. Yeah. But I don't like it that, you know, that was just where we are now. Yes, although I don't remember consulting it at the time. I remember just going and getting the... Because the, I got Sonic CD and mm. it just... It, it just worked. It worked without any... Well, concern. you know, lucky enough for you, but, you mm. know, not necessarily possible for everybody. No, and I, I had a fairly recent PC at the time, which yeah, was yeah, Windows 95. But this, you only need Windows 3.1 or later to run this. God, imagine that. Yeah. But minimum CPU, a Pentium 60 megahertz, minimum memory 8 megabyte of RAM, usable hard disk space 10 megabytes. Mm. 
So it's a, it just tells you basically what this game is, uh, but as for the new version, it says, um, animation-wise, this PC version really takes Echo to new depths, enabling him to realistically move through and leap out of the water. Echo moves so fast that a rename of Sonic the Dolphin seems more appropriate. To be fair, you can definitely tell the difference even in the two screenshots they have here. Well, yes, you can. So I, I looked into this, and yes, this is in fact a full remaster of the game. It is not a port of the Mega Drive game. Or if it is, it maybe it counts as a port, but it's a full graphical overhaul. They redid all the graphics. They look, they look the same, so I think they put down the original graphics and someone just like filled it in to twice the resolution or whatever. Yeah. All redone in the higher definition that the PC allowed. It, it uses the Echo sprite from Echo 2 for some reason, and oh, I haven't uh-huh. seen anyone suggest why. And then this bit about Sonic the Dolphin. This, you never know. This could just have been the video that I watched, but... It is far too fast. Oh, really? It is running too fast to play. And that might be... I mean, I've already said here, it it was made to work on Windows 3.1. There'll be a a range of chips that you can run this on. And in those days, the faster your CPU was, the faster a game would run, which was, of course, completely stupid. 60 FPS, Echo the Dolphin, get it up there now. Yeah, except when PC gamers are like, oh, give me 60 FPS... The game runs at the same speed, it's just more frames and therefore smoother. No, in those days, the game went faster. The two most significant examples of which, I tried to play Baldi's, a game that I enjoyed on the Amiga uh, and the demo, and I got the full game on the PC. I don't think it ever came out on the Amiga, the full game. And my PC was too fast to run it. So an animation of like, you know, just a just an idle animation of a character bobbing was like... <laughs> it was ridiculous. The other one was Final Fantasy VII. When I got it, it ran at something like two frames a second, but all the frames were being run. So you're playing the game in ultra slow motion, and I simply yeah. had to not play it until I got a better PC that sped along like the man outside my window. Just <laughs> I just added that foley to represent my PC. So, stupid. You couldn't play Echo the Dolphin at this speed. Like, I saw someone tearing along, bang, and they would hit into something that would lose them uh, energy or whatever, health. And there was no way they could possibly see it coming. Oh, well. Anything to say about Comic Zone? Um, only one thing, which is that I, at the time of recording, I saw an article about two days ago saying that yes! they're optioning it for a film or something. <laughs> yes, yes, they're making a film. It's being done by May Cat, the script, who has uh, recently distinguished herself as a uh, Transformers writer. Mm. My other fandom. Yeah. Uh, brilliant. I mean, it, it seems like a good time to make a film called about Comic Zone, given the you know the proliferation of uh, comic book superhero movies we've enjoyed of the last yeah. decade or two. Seems like a good time to actually have a bit of fun with that. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't seem like it will work as well as a film as it would uh, a video game. Mm-hmm. The sheer simple use of the straightforward two-dimensional perspective and the layouts and everything. If you could really dig into that for a film, that would be interesting. But we're talking about the film because we've got nothing to say about the review, so let's move on. The Good, the Bad, and the Echidna, Part 2. Written by Nigel Kitchen, art by Nigel Dobbin, and letters by that there Ella DeFail. <laughs> Knuckles is brought to Backwater City and locked up by the deputy sheriff, who's the son of the mayor, Boss Crouch. Crouch is revealed to have hired Cheeto to cause the stampede for which Knuckles is being blamed, which was an attempt to kill Crouch's business rival, Rooster. Knuckles figures this out, but before he can do anything about it, 
He's almost lynched by the locals. You know, for kids. Until being saved at the last minute by the sheriff himself. Yeah, there's a lot happening in this chapter of Knuckles again. Mm. Sadly, the, the only note that I've made consists of a single word. What's your single word note? Crouch? Question mark. I feel as if Crouch is named before he's introduced in some sort of a way. Other way around, uh, Knuckles uh, is able to say you to Rooster, you and this boss Crouch boss are Crouch. in the same business, but they never actually refer but they never to said his name the was mayor Crouch. As, as being Boss Crouch. That's yes. exactly that's exactly what my note is. I got quite confused. I was like, mm-hmm. well, who? And I had to go back and see. It wasn't mentioned last issue, was it, that his name's Boss no, Crouch? No, I don't, don't remember being mentioned, no. How strange. It might have been, but I don't You know, it might have been, but I don't remember. <laughs> Uh, anyway, yes, it turns out that Boss Crouch and Rooster are like rivals in Apterix breeding. Mm. Apterix meat is an expanding market in Metropolis City. Until I came along, Boss was the only supplier. So Knuckles and Rooster are able to sort of put their heads together and realize mm. that whoever set the stampede that Knuckles was caught up in last issue was trying to kill Rooster in order to, you know, eliminate the competition. And it turns out that, yes... Cheeto, who's got a lot more uh, fanatic Mexican mm. dialogue this issue than last yes. issue. We see him reporting in to Crouch saying that Rooster's the luckiest hombre I know. He was bang in the middle of the herd when I started the stampede and he still escaped. And uh, yeah, Boss Crouch even like rallies up the townsfolk to honest to God, hang him high, lynch knuckles. Yeah. This art has been edited like that noose was 100 percent drawn to be around knuckles's neck and they have erased the bit that goes around the front of his body and made it look like it's merely going around his arms behind his back but his arms are already held in manacles behind his back so he doesn't need to be tied is this conjecture or have you seen a, a no i'm just somewhere? i'm i'm not i refuse to even call it conjecture no that's definitely <laughs> what's happened here yeah, this is the this is a famous scene in STC in which yes, Knuckles is in fact he is lynched. They tie a noose to a tree and they lynch him. And yes, it's it's tricked out by it being around his arms, but that's the imagery. And it's and it, and the scene ends in a sort of wild westerny sort of way, which is that a bullet is shot expertly through the rope, cutting him down. There's even a oh good they opened their parachutes just in time moment, isn't there, where Knuckles is being. He's standing on a box mm-hmm. just just before it's kicked out from under him, I guess. And he thinks to himself, these crazies don't realise, I can escape from this. It, this uh-huh. is fine, kids. Don't worry about it. Don't it's worry fine. about it. You'll be all right, yeah. Uh, the sheriff has been away, which is why this is able to happen. But then the sheriff mm. returns just in time to shoot the rope and save Knuckles. It's a remarkable toupee. Like, it, there's not much to say about it, but... Because you're just kind of standing slack-jawed looking at it. Yes! I want to make a moment out of it here on the podcast, because it's it's a famous moment that people talk about. But there's not much to say, except... Knuckles nearly got hung. They hang him. Yeah, Knuckles the echidna, yeah. You notice how the dialogue is completely... Not disconnected, but it does feel like somebody gave a good, solid second draft of this dialogue over the top of the art once it came in, you know? <laughs> uh... These guys break into the cell. Well, they don't break. They sort of they come into the uh, the jail, and the deputy does nothing, you know. And one of these hoodlums, these locals, says, "You're invited to a surprise party, Knuckles." And then the other one pulls out the noose, 
and mm-hmm. says, it's formal dress, but don't worry, we'll make an exception seeing as it's you. And I'm like, I feel like there was something about it's formal dress, so we've got a necktie for you here or something oh. like that. You know, I feel like that was maybe what the line was originally. Oh, God. Yeah. I've dug out the script. Chris is a thousand percent on the money here. <laughs> Here's how the script goes. Page four. One. Knuckles sits up and a leering mob barges into the jail. One of them takes the keys from the deputy's desk. The deputy reacts with only faint surprise. Someone, get the keys! Someone else, we done come to invite you to a little party, Knuckles! Panel two, one of the mob holds up the noose for Knuckles to see. It's formal dress, but don't you worry. We brought you a necktie. (laughs) That's exactly what Chris said. Knuckles appeals to the deputy, says we make our own laws, and then uh, as they lead him outside with the noose around his arms somehow, uh, the guy says, You kill one of our folk and you deserve to be dragged through the mud. As if the dragging is the punishment. Mm. You go killing one of our people and you're gonna get what you deserve. And whenever they throw the rope over a tree, Knuckles is just... Wherever I go lately, someone always wants to finish me off. Everywhere I go lately, someone always wants to execute me. Yeah, it's like the dialogue feels written to downplay exactly what it is that's going on here. And interestingly, by the way, that line earlier where Knuckles is like, oh, this is fine, this is not a problem. Um, There actually is a line in the script there that says roughly the same thing, but in completely different words. It's odd that it got changed. So the line that made it to print is, these crazies don't realise I can escape from this. The original line is, I'll just string them along for a minute, then I'll snap this rope and be away before they can stop me. I should have asked about this ahead of time, because because the big question here is like, why did Nigel want to do this? Because um, it's, a, it's a Western thing. It's just a yeah. genre piece, you know? Right, right. Why did Knuckles just spend three issues in the film The Wicker Man? <laughs> Why not? Because he just wanted to do it, you know? Yeah, but it's different, isn't it? Like, having ha- hanging Knuckles the Echidna <laughs> in a children's comic is... It is different than just being in The Wicker Man, you know? It's a big play, isn't it? It's something that you have to have had It's a some... bold move, Cotton. Mm. Let's see how it plays out for I him, would you know? be interested to know what the thought process that leads someone to go like... Yeah, I will put that in, uh, might be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's I, feel, a question. I, I, I think I'm going to have to get in touch with him on this one and record a little drop-in because it's a, ve- it's a very interesting question as far as I'm concerned. I did get in touch with Nigel Kitching and here is what he said. I'm sorry, I can already hear in my voice that this is going to sound like an official statement uh, when I read this. It's not. It's just a chat we had in DMs, but I did get his permission to read it out. So here it is. The topic we were talking about, my question that he was replying to, was I said, we've got to the one where they try to hang Knuckles. Loads of people are interested in this. It's pretty clear there's a push and pull of trying to do a quite serious genre bit and bits that try and downplay it, like having the rope go under his armpits and some dialogue edits that downplay the seriousness of it. Can you remember any of the thought processes here? I mean, it's quite a surprising scene to bring into a Sonic comic, so it makes sense that it was done in a softened way. Was there something about comics in 1996 that made it feel like it could get in? I doubt it would even get floated as an idea now. He said, This is the way I remember it. Nigel, Dobbin and I were discussing story ideas for Knuckles, and Nigel said, Dobbin, he fancied drawing stories of various genres. But we already had the Long Journey Home idea and we were working within that. So this was the Western story, and I was keen to get in all the cliches. I seem to remember that I'd recently watched the old Fritz Lang film Fury. Look it up. 
Also, as I recall, my horror Knuckles story was pretty strong stuff too, with another execution theme. That'll be the Wicker Man one, presumably. So the script was delivered and passed on to Nigel to draw, but when the final artwork was delivered, it was agreed Nigel would move the rope to Knuckles' waist. Oh, so that, that sounds as if he drew it round his neck, and then it was agreed that, oh, you should probably move that to the waist. And So I wonder if there's any evidence of that in the, uh, in the artwork, of it having been changed like that. So it was published that way, and the only comment that I recall was that Sega, or their representative, was unhappy that Knuckles was shown in a saloon where there was alcohol. <laughs> and he says, now I know in today's climate the lynching scene sounds problematic and I agree it is. I honestly didn't include it to be cool and clever. All I saw was the dramatic possibilities. I grew up with kids entertainment that was more edgy than now. I feel that even the Disney movies at the time, Aladdin for example, had some real moments of peril in them, but stuff I watched like Lady and the Tramp, that had a scene with a dog being taken away to be euthanized. If I was writing now, would I do the lynching scene? Probably not. Was it okay back then? I honestly don't know. I'm prepared to entertain the idea it was a lapse of judgement, but I can't say. And it's tough looking back, holding current attitude. So I'm not defending what I did, and neither am I condemning it. Nowadays it's not the opinion of the creator that anyone seems to care about anyway. <laughs> yeah, death of the author and all that. And then he says, um, of course, worse stuff happened in Decap Attack. <laughs> we all remember the, the full page <laughs> of a man's brain getting scooped out and stretched and smashed and cut up. Lots of lovely work from Nigel Dobbin on the art, though, I must say. Yeah. Look at that scene in the bar where Cheeto meets with the boss Crouch buried in shadow and then the background with the can-can dancers and everything up on the stage there and they're all in that watercolor no outline work. Sort of backgroundy sort mm. of painting. Yeah, yeah, it's lovely. Very atmospheric. Yeah. It's like I like the character designs for Crouch and I like I just they're just nice. I just like all the character designs in this one, you know. That's definitely a Sonic rabbit that Cheeto is, you know. I like Rooster. I just like the general shape of him. He looks like he'd be soft if you touched him. Yeah. Crouch is the stereotypical big uh, tweed suit pocket watch chain little bowler a real boss hog of a kind of guy you know now my problem though not my problem now but my problem when i was a kid is that i i had an aversion to the wild west episode of stuff you had an aversion to a lot of things when genre intruded upon mm. your entertainment yeah unless it was star trek <laughs> but in star trek i was annoyed at the wild west basically what i had noticed at some point and it would have been before this i'd already noticed it yes that everything Everything has to have a Wild West episode at some point. Mm -hmm. The equivalent now would be that everything has to have a musical episode. Um, you know what? I do tire of the musical episodes mm. in today's media. Yeah, because someone did a good one once, and so now everyone reckons it's a good idea by itself, and it and it's not just another thing we have to blame Joss Whedon yeah. for. Yeah, yeah, um, but yeah. <laughs> But, um, yeah, so the wild... I, remember, I think it was Mario. I think it was the Super Show that was the first time I noticed it. And then Red Dwarf did one, and here's one from Sonic, and Star Trek did some. And, they, yeah, like, they were all over the place. So when one comes up in Sonic, I, I, at the time, I was just like, ah, oh, God, I, was, I wasn't interested. I wanted it to go away. And, unfortunately, because that's been my exposure to Westerns as a genre, I've never watched a Western. Never. I've never watched a Western. Not even the good ones. 
So I don't really know what's tropes and what's not. Sure you do. You've seen all the parodies. You know what the tropes are. The tropes yes. are inseparable from the parodies at this point. So yes, except this, I suppose I'll say then, is the only time I've seen a lynching. Those aren't usually parodies. You don't get them in the cartoons much. You know, when the Turtles did their yeah. Wild West episode, nobody tried to hang Michelangelo. No. Also, I don't remember if the Turtles did a Wild West episode. Off they the must I'm have. sure they must have. And I say that as a man with the entire series on D. DVD. I can't remember one, but I'm Most sure it have done. So that one, that one comes as a surprise, and I'm sure yes, it probably is a trope in westerns, isn't it? But I wouldn't know. I, I, I need to change it now. I need we, like this. We were gonna watch Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, weren't we? Yeah, but it's three hours long, mate. Yeah, and it's definitely not. No, you know, it definitely that that, that film definitely wasn't about cattle rustling. If you know what western this is a parody of, tell us, and we still won't watch it. But just tell us. Do let us know. I don't think it is a specific western parody. This one, I don't think. It just feels like it's full of tropes. You know, the sneaky bandito and the business rival and the good honest man of the soil working versus the slimy businessman and you know Mm. sweat of a man's brow type stuff and then there's also the hanging there's the hanging that happens in it Mm. next issue deputy knuckles oh yeah the sheriff showed it up and knuckles says now sheriff i was a couple of complaints i'd like to make (laughs) i will look forward next issue dave to your reading of the next summary in your cowboy voice hey i'll have to come up with one by then graphic zone Pixel Zone. Pixel Zone. It's another one of, it's instead of a graphic zone, or fortunately, instead of a shitty pinup, because it's in the center pages, this issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's another um, computer drawings one. And I don't know, what more is there to say about computer drawings at this point? They're almost a mainstream kind of drawing in this comic. They have so many of these. I mean, I think perhaps the most notable thing is that there isn't one from Leo Suarez Paringer this time around. Oh, I, was look, I was looking for denied. his name, you know? Yeah. Well, perhaps I'll get him to do us another one. <laughs> we <laughs> especially. Yeah, you got Sonic and Knuckles stood there indicating an oval in the middle with the letters STC written in it. That's from Nathan Davies in Shropshire. Knuckles looking like he ate all the pies, but a little you know, bit. You, yes. you can't be. There's no. You can't. You can't criticize these. These were drawn on a computer. Yeah. Do you know how hard that was to do back then? Yeah, just wherever your line goes, that's what you kind of. That's stuck what you've with. drawn. Yes, you've got an undo button, but you don't have time for that kind of messing no. about. Why it's it's right there in my brain, but I can't tell you which fighting lady Anita Lamb has drawn here from St Albans in Hartford. Oh, uh, I don't know. I it's don't know. one of the. It's not Cammy, and it's not someone from Virtua Fighter, as far as I can tell. But it's someone, isn't it? The the blue I, bow in the hair, the dangly down the back thing. It's I a, don't know. It's a famous fighting game lady, and I can't remember which one it is. Doesn't jump out at me as being one. Oh, come on. It's one of the famous ones. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, anyway, it's Tails as whoever that is. who, Whichever fighting game lady it is. Well, no, 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 no. That is the approach yes. the STC have taken. Sorry, you're right. The caption says, Tails in a two-piece, because the drawing is of a fox, like yes. Tails, in this outfit Dave describes. Blue bow on the head, all you know, symptoms of femininity. Ribbons hanging down behind, then wearing a, like a, a tube top. Uh, yeah. With a bare belly, belly button yeah. drawn in, even and and a skirt, and the skirt that uh, they're blue with uh, with purple bands. But there's a sign in the background of the picture that uh-huh. says Tiffany Vixen is Tails' first love, yeah. which is obviously who this is a drawing of. The fact We're that they've the echidna situation here again. The fact that they have printed it but not read it. <laughs> yes, that's it. Yeah, rude. She's only got the one tail. Mm. 
Emma Jane Smith has drawn Sonic pushing a shopping trolley. Yep. And labelled it Sonic Speed Shopping. Uh, the STC didn't need to add their own caption because Emma had added one herself. Yep, that's yes. Nothing to say about that. Yep, nothing, nothing. Next one is Jonathan Williams from Dawley in Telford has drawn... Uh, it's uh, Sonic doing a... What do you call it? A cave... Mountain climbing. Ma- oh, I've pictured him going well, down could, a cave. You're right. He could be yeah. going down or he could be going up. Could be either. Well, he's got... Anyway, he's got a rocky surface that he's got his feet and hands on and he's got a, a line attaching him to something above yeah and he's got a, a yellow helmet on with the stc logo and that's the bit that impresses me that yeah. stc logo is so small and detailed and intricate that but it can't be scanned it's so perfect yeah because there must be some trickery has been implemented yeah i don't, I don't really understand but uh, anyway he's a he's a mountain climber or caver and he's that and it's it's printed very scrappily. The uh, it's one of those. Do you remember at school when you had the BBC Micro and you printed something out? It, oh yes. It all comes out as patterns and textures and so on, and that's what's happened here. Mm-hmm. In fact, I almost I don't know whether it's an aspect of the printing, but looking at the way that the patterns change from left to right, I wonder if this was actually there's a lot of gradients involved in this picture, and it looked quite fancy on the screen. But, Maybe uh, looks a bit dodgy printed out. Sorry, Jonathan Williams. Lee Flaherty from Harrow in Middlesex has done a Megadroid drawing. I love this. Original brand Megadroid. Arms spread wide, holding a balloon with a party hat on and a a stereo playing music off to the side. And he's saying in a big speech bubble, STC is cool. Yeah, it is. Yep. And then just in the corner, there's a little blue scribble with Sonic and an arrow pointing to it and a big smoke trail coming off that. So he's run away somewhere. I don't really understand how that's the outline of Sonic rather than some sort of little bat or something. But it is. Don't worry about it. I won't. Uh, David Skinner from Wyken in Coventry has done a very nice one of Tails jogging along. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's very it, nice, isn't it? Yes, it looks copied from something. It puts me in mind of... Do you remember the... Well, it was just given away as a sticker last issue, that image of Tails running along the Emerald Hill Zone that was used for his profile page in the original Summer Special. But it's not that mm-hmm. because it's a different art style but he maybe used it as reference i don't know possibly i don't, yeah i don't know but i did have a chuckle at this caption stc have put to it which is tails misses another bus <laughs> as if that's why he's running <laughs> and finally there is a really well made mm. the actual finished piece is slightly clumsy looking but the amount of work that must have gone into it this is michael dixon in sunderland tiny weir has drawn uh short fuse mm. but with so many bits and pieces and details all over his armor that I like, I don't know where you would start on this. Yeah, yeah. The, there's a lot of use of the. Uh, there's so many straight lines that uh, I mean, I wonder if he did it with that program. What was that program? You know the one where where you controlled the triangle and it was called a turtle and you know oh, yeah. the uh, in what directions to move and how far to move and everything yeah. like that. It's so sharp and angular. I could believe it was drawn in that. Well, it's like a kind of a high-tech uh, 2000 cybernic design. Yeah. Like a modern update of the cybernic versus his uh, classic Silver Age rounded look. That's it. I've not compared it to a normal drawing of short views, so I don't know the differences, but it's like a whole... Assuming that it's completely different, I'm guessing he's copying some other robot from something or a mech or something. Maybe. There's yeah. so many bits and pieces. I could see it. Because uh, it's all in chrome silver as well. There's no red boots or mm. hazard striping bits. So it's based on Shorty's original design. So perhaps it is supposed to be yeah. a new cybernic design. And everyone who got a picture printed, even though it was all computer stuff, they still get themselves a pack of Crayola mini stampers. 
Tales. Small Change, written by Lou Stringer, art by Roberto Corona. Colours by Steve White, letters by Tom Frame. Seeking to prove himself to Dr. Robotnik, Grimer's cousin, Slimy, invents a shrink ray and uses it to reduce Tails to the size of an ant. He then unleashes his Hulko droid on a defenseless village, but the shrunken Tails is able to easily fly inside the robot and deactivate it by ripping its wiring out. The ray wears off and Tails returns to normal size. And when Slimy tries to zap him with a full power blast, Tails dodges and the beam bounces off the robot and back at Slimy, shrinking him to subatomic nothingness. Exactly like we thought may have happened in the first trip. Yes, it's, it's, it's funny that we've got two stories about shrinking in the same, uh, you know, much like the cowboy episode or the superhero episode or all those other genre things. That's something yep. else you can always rely on uh, of uh, every cartoon <laughs> from our childhood to have is the shrinking episode. Yes. Turtles had at least two yes. separate shrinking episodes. They are rubbish. <laughs> they always have been. Second only in rubbishness to the mind swap episode, where the goody and the baddie swap minds. Also, slimy piss off. So, tw- twice piss off. Why is it not just Grimer? Exactly. That was my second piss off, because one, it's got this bad name, and two, it, it is just, it's drawn exactly the same. It might as well just be Grimer. The only difference is that he's got a slight fuzziness about the chin, yeah. which Grimer tends not to have. But even there, you could chalk that up to just how Corona draws Grimer. Like, why not? Why isn't this just Grimer? I guess it's because he wanted to do the... I, I would say it's because he had the ending in mind from the outset. Oh, yeah. And that's yeah. why he couldn't do Grimer, because he shrinks until he's mm. smaller than an atom. Which is, yeah. you know, that's the one cool thing that happens in the comic. And it's not an unusual way of ending a, a, a kid's cartoon shrinking episode to have the baddies shrink down on, until they're forever, so tiny so, yeah. uh, forever or whatever, you know. But there's there's something that we actually see him disappearing among the molecules as he shrinks mm. away to nothing. That's, uh, that's pretty good. That's, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. That's not bad. Yeah, and the molecules are drawn in a cool way. Yeah. I like the one in the bottom left that's got like a sort of almost like a satin ring, except it's something whizzing round two separate ones in a infinity symbol type pattern. Mm. Oh, lovely. The Hulko droid ain't up to much because it's not <laughs> hulking at all. No, it's not. it's not. It's barely bigger than Grimer, is it? Yeah, it's not. You know, it should be huge. It's got big feet and it's got it, big hands. It, it can't be too big because if it was too big, then Tails wouldn't need to have been shrunk to get inside it. That's the thing. But it, it needs to be bigger than it's been drawn as. What a lovely, though, rendition of an ant. I know, yeah, exactly. So, Tails gets zapped by the shrink ray and does a, altogether about a page, but it's across two pages, of Hunting I Shrunk the Kids. Yeah. So there he is. There's an ant. He's among the grass. Uh, drops of dew are dangerous to him, things like this. And yeah, this ant. I still don't love the way Corona draws Tails himself. I think he's got much better at drawing the world and the characters and the cartoony style, but I still don't right. love the way he draws Tails himself with his big, weirdly shaped head and everything. It's be- Do you know what it is? It's that he gives him such a long neck. That's part of it, I think. Which kind of makes his head feel like it's a separate... There's something oddly, viscerally biological about the way... You're, you're forced to think about his skeleton. <laughs> Also, again, Steve White's colours don't bring out the best in Corona's art, but I think we've said that before, you know. I think it looks nice enough. 
it's all right. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with it, but it's just it's not as vibrant, I think, as it would be if Corona colored himself or if they had John M. Burns on the colors. Uh, but the ant is lovely, and it just shows you where Corona's strengths really are as an artist. You know, he draws the shrunken yeah. world and the close-ups of the mushrooms and the grass and everything. It all looks great. You know, I also love that Tails' response to being approached by an ant is to punch it in the <laughs> face. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and we've not said the the thing that's so nice about it is that it's extremely realistic. This ant. Yes, yes, yes. Of course. There's nothing Sonicy about it at all. It's like a nature illustration. It's lovely. Mm. We like that when that pops up in STC. We liked it about Echo, and we liked it. Yeah, we just like that. Yeah, beautiful natural vistas. Mm-hmm. And of course, the whole thing builds to a dreadful loosestringer pun ending. <laughs> the villagers say, "We don't know how you did it, but thanks for stopping the robot." And Tails says, "Well, you know what they say? It's the little things that make all the difference." You've got to do that. How are you? What were you supposed to do? Not end on a pun about the little things making the difference? Certainly not whenever it's only five pages long, you know? Uh, yeah. Next issue, Decap Attack returns, and thank goodness, I'm ready for a break from Tales now for a while, thanks. Please and thank you. Yeah. I have infinite respect and love for Lou Stringer for giving Tales respect and elevating, evolving his role as a character, his position in the comic, but mm-hmm. there's only so much you can do with that before we just descend into this sort of stuff doing. Keep him in this role and just send him back to teamwork with the freedom fighters and sonic and everybody you know we yeah. don't there's not actually that much capacity for tails to have his own adventures and still have why, them be yes. worthwhile why have they made this decision that that's what has to be going on with tails it's odd um points to the the title small change a small he changes to be small and also that's a phrase not really points to the effort made by the um designer there to put some coins on that title which is perfectly good. Like, it's not the designer's problem, but there isn't anything to do with money in the story. And if there had been, that would just tip it over. That would just make it better. Yeah, if there was a way that, like, uh, I don't know, he nearly got crushed by some falling pennies mm-hmm. or uh, Slimy tried to rob a bank with the Hulk mm-hmm. droid. Yeah. Or something like that, you know? There you go. If that was what he was doing with his shrink ray tech in the first place was to try and rob a bank. There you go, small change. But instead he's just trying to upstage Cousin Grimer and prove himself to Dr. Robotnik. Yeah, not only does he not upstage Cousin Grimer, Tails is the only person on Earth, including Grimer, who ever seems aware that this guy ever existed. Yeah, I wonder if Grimer knows he has a cousin. (laughs) What is it that Slimy says? Uh, Grimer's always been the golden boy in our family. That'll all change. (laughs) And you have this sudden mental image like of... The family Grimer the family. <laughs> gathered around the table for a Sunday dinner, you know, and it's like, well, you know, this week I was <laughs> awarded, uh, you know, an award for excellence in the, uh, you know, <laughs> just, you know, it was nothing really, you know, it is the doctor's genius that uh, <laughs> I, I stand upon the shoulders of giants, mother, you know. <laughs> and Slimy's like, giants, that gives me an idea. <laughs> Giants, but backwards. <laughs> is Slimy just Peter Laurie too, then, yeah? Or what, yeah, what yeah. golden age of Hollywood uh, actor is he voiced by? <laughs> Robotnik is bound to give me Cousin Grimer's job when he hears of this. I don't think he is, mate. He crushed a village with a slightly larger than average robot. <laughs> yeah. Grimer made, like, metallics. Exactly! <laughs> But yeah, uh, it's perfectly fine as a little five-page adventure, but it does illustrate that I'm ready to move on now, and thankfully we are. And let's... Q-Zone. 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 
Oh, I got nothing anymore, mate. This the Sonic Revisited Q Zones. So this one starts out by giving you the locations of the Chaos Emeralds in Sonic Two for the Game Gear and Master System. At least this time, it does give you the locations of all of them. Yes, which it didn't do for Sonic One. If there's one thing that they've got wrong, it's oh. that the screenshots are all from the Mega Drive game Sonic the Hedgehog Two. <laughs> this is true. And then I'm, I'm almost certain that this first bit of Sonic 3 Revisited is just reprinted from the Q-Zone they did about Sonic 3 back when it came out. Wouldn't be surprised. Because I remember this things to look out for segment. <laughs> TVs, yeah. star posts, ramps, <laughs> loops, springs. Yeah, in a Sonic game, is it? Loops! Jesus. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'll give it one thing. And this may have, it may be a reprint and I didn't really read it last time, but... I actually didn't know how to throw off those piranhas. No, flicking left and right, yeah. Yeah, I don't think I knew that. Um, so now I do. Great. Uh, will I still remember next time I play the game? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> next issue, they continue with Sonic 3 Revisited. But speaking of revisiting the past... <laughs> Diary Zone. I have a bad case of diary. I have a bad case of diary. I have a bad Yes, case this is the section of the podcast where, in order to place you in the time and the place where we were reading these comics in the first place, I and time, I will. That was an awful lot of use of the word place there, Dave. <laughs> I will now read you a section of my genuine teenage diary from this time and place. And it will place you in the place. Uh, I'm going to breeze over the first couple of weeks of October, except to highlight something that still makes me laugh today whenever I think about it, right? Picture this, Chris. Okay. So here at Big School, we have a pretty good... Um, we've got a little theatre. There's a little theatre at this new school. That's how big of a school it is. And, um, you know, we use it for our drama classes, obviously. So naturally, me and my friends have written... What else? A Sonic play. A Star Trek parody. Ah, you ruined it. I thought it was Sonic. No, no, no. We're too big for Sonic. We can't be be pretending to be Sonic now. No, it's all Spock jokes and stuff now. So we've written this little Star Trek parody. We're going to perform it just as soon as Sir can get hold of a... What's that face? (laughs) Did you genuinely call him Sir like that was his name? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we took on to call and referring to teacher Sir and Miss Hmm. only in big schools. We didn't call it. We just called him Mr. or Mrs. or Miss... Uh, back in primary school, but, but it's the way you call him Sir, like like he's a Beano character. Like that was his name. Whereas yeah. we would call him Sir as a way of addressing them, but we yeah, knew their like, name sir. was Mr. M- yes. Yeah. But the fact that you're calling him Sir, like his name was Dennis's dad, or like Teacher Bash Street. Yeah, and that and that I've written that in my diary as well. Yeah. So he is called Sir. You ever put quote marks around it in the diary or anything? In the diary... Yes, I have put. Well, then I'll allow it because you're probably taking the piss. Maybe. Um, It's complicated by the fact that I I don't know at what point we would have started saying sir because we basically didn't have any male teachers at primary school. Uh But we did call them all miss and it would be like, oh, miss is coming or whatever, you know. You you would refer to them as miss even when they weren't there. So maybe we always would have called him sir. Well, anyway. So we're going to perform our Star Trek thing as soon as Sir can get hold of a video camera to make the necessary record of the performance. Do you think kids still call their teacher Sir and Miss today? Well, what else? They wouldn't just call him John or whatever, would they? I don't know. You know, cool young teachers? Maybe one of them call him by the first name these days. Mm. The teachers of today are the people our age, after all. Yeah, the teachers back then were. Uh, yeah, but they weren't us. And we're cool and young and, and hip. That'll people. be and, it. Oh my god! No, oh my god! Do you know what? I'll tell you what's distressed me recently is that I've realised that very few of my teachers 
the oldest people in the world, right? Agreed, the oldest oh, people yes. who ever lived. Always. Very few of them had gone grey yet. Mm. Thinking back. Valid point. <laughs> you know what I mean? So there we are on Friday the 4th of October 1996. We've got no video camera. The video camera did not turn up. And we were supposed to perform that day, but it's failed, it's fallen through, we can't do it. So we've got nothing to do during drama class. So some of us are just sitting on the front of the stage dangling their feet. Some are on the chairs in the auditorium chatting about their plays that they've worked out. My friend Mike, he is standing at the front of the stage talking to Sir about something. But me, I'm on the stage. I'm the only one on the stage. I'm not. It's not a performance. Don't think of it as a stage because there's no lights on or anything. It's just a big empty bit of floor at the moment. And I'm on a standard plastic school chair. Oh boy. And I'm seeing how far I can get by scooting my chair backwards and skidding along. Right? Because I've got this big area of floor and I'm getting good at this. My scoots are elongating. <laughs> at some point, my chair leg. You remember the chair legs on your standard plastic school chair? Oh, yeah. They were a thin metal rod, essentially. Yeah, yeah, and a little rubber foot. Little yeah. rubber foot, and at some point it encounters a knot hole in the wood, and I Whoa. topple slightly backwards. I've done a big scoot, hit the knot hole, whoop, I start to go over. Not all the way over. In fact, the velocity of the scoot is such that I, I end up like tipping right to the balancing point. Do you know what I mean? So I'm up on the back legs. I'm hovering. I'm up in the air with my body weight keeping me wavering right at the top of that arc. It isn't going to last. So imagine you're Mike. You're standing at the front of the stage. You're talking to the teacher. And then I guess the teacher just like notices my shenanigan and just glances up. At which point you, Mike... Look back over your shoulder at exactly the right moment to see me smash over backwards. Absolutely each. It is <laughs> the most I'd heard him laugh. The man was helpless. He had to be peeled off the floor. <laughs> you look round, there I am, up in the air. Abosh! <laughs> so I've always remembered that. Anyway, skip next couple of weeks. I'm copying sprites from my Game Boy, pixel by pixel onto my Meager. I'm colouring and shading them in so they look like from a cool 16-bit game. I'm having a nice time. I'm wondering about... What? You have a question? I was going to ask, no, uh, just because you're talking about stages and making a Star Trek play and everything. Were you yeah. ever in school plays? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was my thing. I thought it probably was. Mm. I was in a few here and there, but never anything important. You know, I was it wasn't my thing, but I figured it probably was your thing. Yes, I was in all sorts of school. But I actually went and I actually did drama at university as well. Great fun was had. It's a good laugh. I'd love to I'd love to do it again. I just don't have any skills. <laughs> I'm not a child now, so I couldn't get away with it. <laughs> no, I don't have anything interesting. I, I played an Egyptian guard during a performance of Jason Donovan's uh, uh, Joseph. Any dream will do. Yeah. So, anyway, back to this. Mm. I'm wondering about writing Martin Adams's about Mario, and I want to cover all the games, which I don't own. I don't have any Mario games, but mm. I want to do these books anyway. That never happened. Friday the 11th of October. Yes! A whole week of holes starts here! Saturday the 12th of October 96. Phoned the AdventureSoft phone line. Now, AdventureSoft are the people who published Simon the Sorcerer. On the Amiga! Yes, I remember the name. Yeah. They were out. Apparently their helpline is closed on weekends. <laughs> well, fair enough. But the answer phone message said that you can get Simon the Sorcerer, quote, in book. And I was simultaneously was just so flummoxed by the wording of that. 
in book. <laughs> Uh, and intrigued by the idea that there might be a Martin Adams of Simon the Sorcerer, that I'm excited about this. I like the fact that you think of books as Martin Adamses. Well, it's when you take a... Books about other things. Yeah, it's when you take a... Particularly a video game, you know? I think if I had written that Mario book, it would have been in the mould of Martin Adams, wouldn't it? That's what I'm thinking of. That's what I want to exist. Uh, but now I'm all about this Simon the Sorcerer one, so... I was big into when they did that Martin Adams of all them Witcher games. <laughs> <laughs> I've got them all, that's them there. <laughs> Someday the 13th of October 96. I'm so excited. Tomorrow, I'll find out if you really can get a Simon the Sorcerer novel. Plus, I'm going to order Simon the Sorcerer 2. So my whole existence now, this whole weekend, yep. all I have to report that. is my excitement about Simon the Sorcerer and the potential of reading a book about it. The mania has gripped you. I then called the helpline on the 14th, 10.56pm. Doh! It was just a hint book. Ah, that's what I was thinking, you see. Plus, the game Simon the Sorcerer 2 was never made for Amiga 500+. Plus. Oh, no. Oh, no. You could get it for the, the AGA chipset 1200s if you have a CD drive. I'll just have to wait until we get a PC. Which, Mum told me when we last went to the doctors, will be sometime next year. Hey, well, just like you were saying. Accurate and accurate. We did get the PC early next year. I did get Simon the Sorcerer 2 for my birthday early next year. So now, though, I'm jonesing. I'm, I'm looking for things. I want stuff like Simon the Sorcerer. I can't have Simon the Sorcerer. What can I have? What can I have? So we go to town. Went all over Loughborough, trying to find Beneath the Steel Sky. Good choice. That's another one. That's a point-and-click adventure on the Amiga. Yeah. You've heard of that. That's a good one. If, if you haven't got it, good choice to get it. Didn't find it, though. I never owned Beneath the Steel Sky on the Amiga, apart from the demo. And the thing is, I've found out I've got £52. Where the hell were you getting 52 pounds? That's an insurmountably large amount of money. Unstoppable, aren't they? 52 pound coins! It doesn't say. I wish it said why I have this money. Because that's a ludicrous amount of money. That is a preposterous amount yeah. of money. I remember having 30 pounds once yeah. and not knowing yeah. what to do with myself. Yeah. You're going to hit the town. You're going to go to the all the strip joints and stuff with that <laughs> for 30 pounds. Pounds. Yeah, exactly. You'd still be thrilled today to have 50 pounds. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I just thought? Right, the other day, our money's gone plastic and yes. you have to get rid of the paper ones like now. And the ones you have to get rid of are the 20 pound notes and the 50 pound notes. And it just, I really sat and thought about it. And I don't think I've ever held a 50 pound note. I could count the instances on the fingers of one hand and I worked retail. I was going to, so. does that include <laughs> working retail? Yeah, yeah you don't. Oh, yeah, bent. Yeah. Who goes about with those? Scrooge McDuck. I kind of want to go to the bank and get one out just so I've got one. <laughs> just rub it up against your face. Fifty pound note. Flap, flap, flap. Yeah. Um, Completely useless, non-legal tender. <laughs> well, no, fifty pound note. The, the new ones. I'm gonna get one of the new ones. Yeah. Yeah. No, our money's yeah, yeah. been plasticky over here for a while now. Right. When you right. say gone plastic, you mean those plasticky feeling notes, not literally yeah. gone. Oh, you could only use a credit card. Yeah, or, yeah. yeah no, little plastic. No, I know the ones with the little clear window in them. Mm. Yeah, yeah, no. I still find them quite exciting. Do you remember whenever they changed the size of five P's? <laughs> <laughs> Just to bring it round to something a bit more relevant to the subject of the comic. <laughs> Have we passed that moment in the diary already? I don't remember exactly when they changed the size of five P's. It was a while ago, but I know where I was standing when I saw my first one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, because we were in an unusual place. We were on holiday. And uh, my nana came out 
of the little holiday bungalow excitedly with a 5p she had just to show us because it was so exciting. This tiny little widdly 5p. And I was standing in a little playground they had outside where we were staying where they had, did you ever see this? Just a tractor, just a decommissioned tractor on the playground, and you can just clamber about on it, and that's it. Just a real one. I mean, I don't live in the country, so no, but I get it. Hmm. Yeah, and we met a boy there called James, who was our friend for the week, until the, I think, second to last day, when he fell off the tractor, just a short way, and to play it off and be cool, he did a big pantomime of screaming and crying and going like, wah, 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 I have hurt myself, oh mother, oh mother. And uh, me and my brother were like, oh, yeah. And we were laughing at his wonderful uh, joke. And then, uh, no, it turned out that was real. And oh, he hates us now because we made fun of him. He, oh, really? Oh, whoops. <laughs> he okay. came up to, and we never figured it out because he came up to us the next day and he went, well, I was rather disappointed. <laughs> he kind of said it like that, but I, I was quite let down. I mean, they've, I've heard the tapes of you at that age now at this point. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that me. is actually what you sounded like on them. Yeah. That's the thing. No, no, it's Christmas now, and we're going to do a tape about uh, what uh, me and Andrew got for my birthday. And that's what you sound like on those tapes. So, is, yeah. I don't know if that's you putting on like a broadcasting voice for talking into the tape, which I could absolutely believe. Yeah, I had a couple of voices for talking on the tapes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there was the one that was a bit like that as well. Oh, I've just, I'm just going round to my friend's house. It's that's afternoon. just zippy. You're just doing zippy from Rainbow there. <laughs> yeah, maybe. So anyway, I've got 52 quid, right? So I'm looking for yeah, get, Beneath let's get the back Steel to Sky. This business. 52 quid? <laughs> I don't know. Where's Why it? they change the size of 10 peas? We've, ju- <laughs> We've just bought some Zords a few months. Well, it was a couple of months ago did now. Did they change but- the size of 10 peas? They changed something yeah. of a 10 peas. Yeah, they did. Yeah. They changed the 10 peas, yeah. They're little now as well. Right, okay. 52 points. Cool. And I get to Smith's. Wait. Wait, Smith's the toy shop or W? No, 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 no. We don't have that yet. W. No, I didn't think you did. That was I didn't think it existed yet. Do you know? Actually, no, we did. Except it wasn't like you never went to Smith's. Smith's with a Y. The toy shop. Smith's with a Y. Not with an I. The toy shop. (laughs) (laughs) Always all about the callbacks this week. eh? (laughs) No, you went to well in. It was toys, Mm. and then there was a little sticker in the window that was like, "This is a Smith's." Toys. So it was oh, like it would just you would just put the sticker up and they would franchise you or whatever. But anyway, anyway, never mind. We need to get back to W. H. Smiths though, because what I find in W. H. Smiths, Chris. Yes, Dave. I don't find beneath a steel sky because you can get games there. It's not there. Quote: I only found two cool books. Cool books. Cool books. Right. I'm trying to think. Cool books. Now one of them I've got on my shelf over here, uh, and it's going to be a save by the bell book. I've always been rather excited about the existence of this because it's such an unlikely thing for them to have done. The Genesis Quest, which was a an, a choose your own adventure game book of lemmings. <laughs> The Genesis Quest! Bloody hell! That's a bit of a high-concept title for a Lemmings book. Isn't it? The world of the Lemmings is drifting into chaos. An ancient medallion lost, then found in Lemmings 2, the tribes, has now gone missing again. The Lemmings artifact has been broken up and sent to different parts of their kingdom. Like in Lemmings 2, you have to complete the worlds to get the bits. They desperately need to retrieve this precious object, and you have been asked to help. Are you ready to accept this challenge? I don't know what's going to do with the Genesis Quest. But what was cool about it was that you actually kept track of how many lemmings you've got. Ah, and as you can see, the old fighting fantasy little uh, info boxes you keep in the front where you get your... And you couldn't really write on it because you couldn't rub out on that old you novel paper. Out. It didn't really work. You had to keep a piece of paper. 
Look at it. I've Look got at my it. Piece of He's paper. got his piece of paper. It was tucked inside that book, folks. And it's got some lemmings drawn on it and everything. See, you were no fool. You knew what the story <laughs> was. By now, I think I was writing in Masonic ones. But yeah, no, you keep track of what lemmings you've got. So like here, I've got six jumpers, six attractors, ten diggers, six surfers. So it's all the extra like mm. lemmings to the tribes stuff. Blimey neck. That sounds like a rather complex choose-your-own-adventure book. Yeah, so you would get to the bits, and it wasn't like, if you want to go left, turn to page two. No, it's like, if you've got a blocker that you can put here, turn to this. So you're playing like a simulated yeah. game of lemmings. Fascinating concept. And then a year ago, two years ago, I went and got myself the other one from eBay, because there were two books. And this one's called The Hypnosis Enigma. Flippin' heck, good with their name? <laughs> Spy movie titles. Yeah. What was the other cool book, though, that I found there? What was it? Sonic in Castle Robotnik by Martin Adams. Ooh, the fourth and final. This late on? Yeah. I'm genuinely surprised that I didn't, you know, pick them all up. Because it's 1996 years later. Three years later. Three years later. And here's... And that, doesn't that just speak to... I've still got this problem. Witness my bookshelves. You can't Witness. see much Witness! I've got... Three Popeye books there out of six. And that was as far as I got before they stopped printing them. I've got two uh, Battle Angel Alita reprints. And that was as far as I got before they stopped printing them. I live like this. I'm like, well, I'll pick them up. Abby hasn't even got all of More Than Meets the Eye. Because she was like, well, I'll get them when, whenever I need them. And then, no, they stopped, make, they stopped printing these things, guys. Here's me with my cavalier attitude being like, well, now there's four Martin Adams Sonic books. I'll just get them at any point in my life. It's fine. And okay, it worked out. I got all four. But I was cutting it close. You cut it fine. Is it? And that's still the copy you have today of Castle Robotnik then? Yeah. yeah. So, with those, I go back home and I start working on a Simon the Sorcerer novel of my own. Because I'm all excited now. Martin Adams, Martin Adams. It's a viable... Show yourself a Martin Adams of lemmings. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I start working on this Simon the Sorcerer novel. And the way that I do it is... I record a tape of myself playing the game and, like, describing all of the rooms and reading out all the lines of dialogue. And I, I'm going to see if, see if I can dig that up somewhere. I've got this tape of the young David Bullman narrates Simon the Sorcerer. I know Simon the Sorcerer. How about that to a room? That's my dialogue voice. And then I use my normal voice for the descriptions of the room so it's like Simon is currently I don't know what my normal voice well, would you were about to do an impression of your normal voice there and I came back <laughs> what even is that what was it when we were doing an impression of me and it was like oh, hey. hey Simon the Sorcerer is um, uh, having some fun I don't know what I don't know what Simon the Sorcerer does this is where I'm lost it's a great game get yourself a copy get one day get ye flask I don't know that's the end of the diary zone the end. Gosh, that was That's a very diary. silly diary zone, wasn't it? <laughs> I apologise. But I got a Martin Adams book, so it was important. I mean, I mean, we're going to turn the page here now, and the silliness is going to continue. Just a advert! Just a page of adverts! Because over the page is an advert for the first issue of the new Ace Ventura Pet <laughs> Detective comic. Yes. Based on the cartoon that was on the TV at the time. That's the way I like it. I like it when you get a comic that ties in with the cartoon version of a live action thing. That seems appropriate to me. Because it's drawings. It's got to be. Because it certainly wasn't appropriate that they made a cartoon out of Ace Ventura no. Pet Detective. Not in the slightest. No. Although, now that we've had a chance to step back and look at it and go, Oh no. <laughs> no yes, no to I mean, this. 
<laughs> it's worse again now, yes. But at the time, I felt it was a fairly young person's property. Not a children's thing. No, I mean, I remember it was one of the first 12s that we were allowed to rent. I would have been 12 yeah. at the time. But, you know, I had brothers who weren't yet 12. And there is a mm. sex scene in Ace Ventura. Is it? I mean, it happens off screen. But, you know, it's the animals are all sitting and watching as the oh, moaning noises yes. are all happening as he and Courtney Cox get to business. Issue 1. Issue 1. On sale Wednesday, the 2nd of October, 1986. Price 1.20. Featuring super sleuth spoof stories. Mm. Farcical film clips. No, it doesn't. It's a comic. How is it going to feature film clips? What are we talking clips? about? Shit, up. And sniggersome sketches. I don't like that word. Mm, no. It comes out of my mouth badly. I don't like it. Yeah. And there's also a free gift. It doesn't say what it is, but it has a drawing of it. So one must assume it's a business card in this venture, a pet detective business card or... Well, yes, I think the poster and ultimately video cover of the film was him holding up his business card, and that's where the title was, maybe, and that's what this is, but it, but in cartoon version. And yeah, it just says free gift, pointing to that. So I guess you get his little card. That was one of three Jim Carrey cartoon series running at about this time. Yeah, they all premiered the same year. Yeah, Ace Ventura, <laughs> The Mask, and Dumb and Dumber. The Mask, I understood as a cartoon. Yeah, makes total sense. Those other ones, not so much. Well, Dumb and Dumber kind of does. Not because of the property it's based on, which is, out of the three, probably the least suitable for children, I seem to recall. Yes, I I think that would be right. But they're just two... It's two stupid dogs, the cartoon, but men, isn't it? It's it's two (laughs) two idiots. Yeah, that's a ripe formula for cartooning. Ace Ventura, like... So, like, the premise of Ace Ventura, obviously, he's a pet detective. Lends itself to a cartoon pretty all right. Yeah, as a a concept. I mean, I don't really know what that means. What's he doing? Pets don't hire him. People who are looking for their pets. People hire him to find missing pets and stuff Mm. like that. Here's what I remember about the Ace Ventura pet detective cartoon. Go ahead. It was funny then because it had the occasionally transgressive bit of humour in it that Mm -hmm. we would then talk about at school the next day. Oh. But beyond that, I don't think I should revisit it because I don't know Mm. what the experience would be like. I remember it looking very bad. I remember the animation Mm. not being good. The one gag in particular I remember was that um, there was a baddie, a recurring baddie called Phateus Lardus. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, the depth of the humor at work there. Uh. And he was a large, um, a Middle Eastern gentleman, as I recall. Wore a little fez and had a little monkey on his shoulder. That type of Middle Eastern criminal backroom deal type kind of guy. At one point, maybe an introductory episode, whatever, anyway, he had his monkey and it was sitting there and he said something to Ace that was like, what do you think about that, Mr. Ventura? And Ace's response was, I think you should take your monkey home and give it a darn good spanking. And that was in the cartoon for children and we talked about that at school the next day uh, because the cartoon talked about spanking a monkey. Uh, yeah, so I probably won't go back to that. Much the same way I wouldn't go back to The Mask. I don't think it could handle the frenetic um, nature of The Mask. But I remember enjoying The Mask quite a bit as well. And those two cartoons actually had a crossover. Did you know that? The Mask and S. Ventura had a full-on crossover? No, but it doesn't surprise me. And it didn't cross over with Dumb and Dumber at any point. But yeah, they uh, the, mm. the two characters met each other. Hmm. Uh, Ace was in an episode of The Mask. Mm-hmm. And then the episode ended with Ace's monkey, like, stole the mask. And they left with it at the end. And Stanley, Ipkiss, chased them. Well, now you've taken my mask. Ah. And then that chase continued right on into an episode of Ace Ventura where, where uh, you know, they get the mask back. Now, the difference between the mask cartoon and the Ace Ventura cartoon is that the Ace Ventura cartoon has got quite a good little Jim Carrey drawing. Uh, yes. At least based on this cover. I don't know what it was like in the cartoon itself, but that's quite a good little cartoon Jim Carrey they've got. Whereas the Stanley Ipkiss in the mask might as well have been anyone. 
What a strange time when there were three cartoons mm. independently based on Jim Carrey films. Do you remember when Jim Carrey was yeah. Uh, was? Yeah, it's the fact that we live in a world now today. Like, it's an old joke at this point, years on, but. There was a Sonic the Hedgehog film starring Jim Carrey, and it was made in the 2020s, and not in 1995. Mm. What a weird thing. Uh, Plus, we can win video cameras. Wouldn't sniff at that. That's pretty good. You can win video cameras. Assuming they mean an actual, factual, like, yeah. They must do. Yeah, camcorder, yeah. Yeah, they must do. There's nothing else to call a video camera. And disposable snappies. Is it supposed to sound like disposable nappies? Yes, I suppose it is. I didn't didn't think of that, yeah. I guess it probably is. More scatological humour from the world of Ace Ventura. Uh, But yes, no, everybody was giving those away, like STC. Yes, indeed. Nothing new there. Note, monkey not included. Because there's a little drawing of his monkey, whatever his name was. I'm going to look up what the name of his monkey was. <laughs> That's the monkey that dies at the start of Ace Ventura 2, isn't it? Oh, does it? I think so. That sounds right. I did see Ace Ventura 2. I've seen both films, but one scene. Oh, I've seen them both multiple times, but not for a very long time. I saw the first one borrowed on video off uh, the library, and the second one actually went to... Can you tell that we're less enthusiastic than normal about exploring this franchise from our past? And then that that was that. That was my Ace Ventura journey completed. Nah, it was actually a dead raccoon at the start of uh, Ace Ventura 2. The monkey's name was Spunky. What I found here is that I really don't. I've never cared about Ace Ventura. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it just so happened like that it made Jim Carrey's... Well, no, The Mask hmm. made Jim Carrey's career. Oh, uh, do you think so? I think so. What would you say? Well, I would have said Ace Ventura, but yeah, you're right. Ace kicked it off, and the mask the thing, was where... Well, the, the, thing, the reason I remember that is because the video of Ace Ventura had as the tagline on the cover of it, the man behind the mask. Really? Even though it did come out first. Hmm. At some point, I, I, maybe it was, I, I'm pretty sure it was the video. It might have been a poster or something, but I think it was the video. The mask was being framed as, it's that guy, kids. Hmm. Watch because... this film that's really not appropriate for you. What I thought happened was that Ace Ventura happened and that kicked off his career and then, you know, maybe Ace Ventura 2 and, and, and then The Mask was like, there we go, this is it. But, but no, didn't The Mask like come out the same year as Ace Ventura or something like that? I think like that could well be right, yes. Yeah, like just out of absolutely nowhere, this guy was just making hundreds of films all at once. And the thing is, he was good. Yeah, that, that's it, you know. Overtly transphobic nature of the material notwithstanding, he himself... Uh, and his weird later stance on vaccines notwithstanding. He himself, in the moment, as a child in the 1990s, was an entertaining performer. <laughs> as a performer, he was and remains very skilled. And uh, yes, we've spent our lives being very happy to be entertained by him, and now it's a bit sort of weird. Yet we still turn out for the Sonic movie. Well, that's the thing. What's weird about it is how much I love him in Sonic, particularly in Sonic 2. I'm like, yeah, this is great. Oh, oh, wait. I have to keep reminding myself. Yeah, because it's taken you back yeah. to his 90s heydays, you know, before the yeah. Cable Guy and the Truman Show when he, mm. when he decided to start. When you wound up watching these films that you didn't really enjoy very much as a kid because you wanted to see more of the funny man from The Mask and Ace Ventura. And you instead wound up getting tricked into watching Touching drama and stuff like that. <laughs> I reacted very positively, as you're supposed to, to the Truman Show. I had no trouble there. Yes, I'm not yes. saying that it was bad in any way. I'm just saying, you know. You wouldn't want to go, yes, you wouldn't, like, a, the man behind the mask and its eternal sunshine and the spotless mind, you wouldn't want to give that to a kid from 1990. No, not so much, not so much. Stop! I was bored. 
Sonic's World. Future Shock, Part 3, written by Lou Stringer, art by Roberto Corona. Bob Corona. Colors by Andy Pritchett and letters by Tom Frame. The future Sonic is revealed to be a clone of Sonic created by Robotnik, who ages at an accelerated rate. However, it also turns out that the clone didn't know that. He was brainwashed into thinking he really was Sonic from the future and was genuinely trying to save the Freedom Fighters' lives. Furious to learn how he's been manipulated, the clone escapes to inform the real Sonic of the truth, and the two hedgehogs return to rescue the Freedom Fighters and send Robotnik packing. The clone apologizes for tricking Sonic, and his aging body disintegrates into pure energy. Where's my f prize? <laughs> Where is it? Come on, reward how, how me. How much of it I, did you guess? Every single thing. I predicted he was a clone. I predicted the brainwashing. I predicted that he was artificially accelerated aging. I predicted yep. he would dissolve into nothingness at the end. Every <laughs> single bit. I want a biscuit. You may have a biscuit. You can have. I've got Pez here, and I've got hobnobs. You can you can have one of those. I was honestly quite surprised by two things. Uh, firstly, mm. uh, evidently I'd just forgotten your predictions because annoyingly, I genuinely didn't see this coming that he would be both a trick clone. And telling the truth. I, I found that to be quite a pleasant surprise. No, that one I didn't. Yes, I didn't know exactly mm. what way they were going with it. With, yeah, but, uh, that was pleasant. Yeah. Um, the other thing was that I was honestly quite surprised to find that we're still on this. I, I'd forgotten this one was hadn't finished yet. I'm like, oh, it's still this old Sonic thing, I guess, right? Yeah, well, it's, it's when did we last have a three-part story? Uh, I anything? think that's why, yeah. yeah. It seemed like as a conceit, oh, it's Sonic from the future. No, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> it would, would be a two-parter at It most. was never yeah. going to be Sonic from the future, but yeah, I, I'm quite satisfied with the fact that it's not Sonic from the future, but that he thinks he is. I, I, I quite like that. Yes, the resolution to this is, this is great. And I'm not just saying that because it happened exactly the way I wanted it to. <laughs> no, this is a good resolution. You know, it, it doesn't invalidate the stuff yeah. that went before it in the story. Uh, there's a good character conflict at the heart of it. Where we left off with the cliffhanger last issue was the old Sonic turning the Freedom Fighters over to Robotnik or like luring them into a trap. And he explains, I've seen how you dudes get wiped out in the future. I had to trick you to get you here, but our only hope for peace is to follow Robotnik. And then Robotnik guffaws in the background. <laughs> oh, what a glorious victory. He actually believes that. What do you mean? You're not Sonic from the future, you fool. You are a clone. I created you. <laughs> There's this Grimer just pops his head up in the corner and goes, And I help. <laughs> Yeah, that's good. I like that. It's a solid resolution, the idea that he uh, genuinely thinks he is Sonic. I mean, because my prediction of the brainwashing was that he'd been brainwashed to go bad. Yeah. Whereas what they really did was brainwashed him into really thinking the fake story he was telling was true. That's better than what I said. Yeah. What I found interesting is that this is all Roberto Corona. That's two Corona strips back to back, and they look completely mm -hmm. different from each other. Just because, different colorists. Because of the different colorist, mm -hmm. yeah. It really makes a huge difference. Mm -hmm. Steve White uh, on the previous one, and Andy Pritchett on this one. Andy Pritchett being the same artist who colored the Sonic strip at the start of this issue. There's a lot of uh, incestuous interplay in the mm -hmm. creative teams on this issue. A lot of overlap. And it means I get to, I suppose, look a little bit closer at the difference between Grimer and Slimy. Because... We know Grimer from, like, Richard Elson, and he has that kind of spider-leg hair. Mm. But because Slimy just had sort of sticky-outy-tufty hair, I thought, well, maybe that's just how Corona draws him. But no, it's 
No, he draws the spider oh, yeah, later. Yeah, that's right. He does have bushier hair, mm. doesn't he? Yeah. That's it, though. Great uh, silhouettes of Grimer in, uh, yeah, in the flashback yeah. to the clone's origin story here from Corona. Like menacing Robotnik and Grimer in the background. And that all-black Grimer silhouette there in the brainwashing image. Yeah, yeah. fantastic. This good stuff. Really emphasising the spider-leg hair. But then the problem happens when we hit page four. Okay, my notes. I was ju- Here's what I was just doing. I was trying to find which page was page four. Because on my note it says, page four, oh for f**k's sake. <laughs> oh yeah. yes, of course, of course, of course. I started reading page four, honestly, and going like, okay, oh that's weird, oh that's that's weird, oh okay. Yeah, Dixie, just a moment to notice it, but yeah, what has happened is that the lettering from page three has all been repeated exactly on top of page yep. four. All the wrong speech bubbles and everything, yep. so there's, but, but... It is not a lost cause. For when this story was reprinted yes. over a hundred issues from now, they fixed it. Mm. So if you're reading along in the scans at home, you'll have a proper fully lettered version of this. But I don't. And now Chris sent me the properly lettered version and I did read it. But something about having bumped into this, it just threw me off. I, I wasn't really yeah, able Yeah, you to... pulled out of the moment. Yeah, yeah I, I, I feel like I've not read it, it you know? I don't really know what's going on. Well, I mean, you can tell what's going on. You can tell roughly what's going on. See him, you know, yes, the two Sonics come come back to rescue the Freedom Fighters. Dr. Robotnik pops out of the ground in a new battle mech. And while Sonic rescues his buddies, the old Sonic is the one who takes on uh, Robotnik. Yeah. And uh, overtaxes his withered body by, you know, really beating the tar out of him. Although, even though you can read the drawings very clearly... I found it very difficult because of these distracting wrong speech balloons. So I was re- I really was genuinely struck. My other note here is this makes it very hard to read the drawings properly. I was like it was like peering round something that's in the way. It's like when you're playing Mario Kart and they splat ink on the screen. Yeah, you can still steer, but you're like, ah, oh, this is hard. <laughs> it, the, the thing I think of it is is that by perverse coincidence most of the speech bubbles still do yes. wind up pointing at characters' yeah. mouths. Yeah. So it does look like they are saying things. Yeah. Uh, they don't. They, they don't just look randomly splattered. There's a couple Very of uh, one or two and sound effects that don't quite go. But but generally speaking, just glancing at the page, you would think that this were supposed to be there. It's a funny coincidence that just mm. worked out that way. I did like. Um, <laughs> I did like the first Sonic on the page where he's running along at speed. His legs are zizzing along, but because he's kind of grumpy, it just looks like he's. It looks like he's kicking stones and being grumpy and just walking along, but with his whizzy legs, there's, there's a real disconnect there. There's not really any dynamism. Old Sonic really does look like he's walking along kicking stones. Yes, he does, yeah. And he's... and Big, he's rangy strides. And Sonic isn't really leaving him behind, so I'm not sure what's going on. No, I don't know what's up with that, yeah. Oh, well. But yeah, then, like, uh, progressively over the last couple of pages, like, the, the old Sonic gets older and turns even greyer. Mm. And then, you know, he uses up all the last of his strength to defeat Robotnik. And then he keels over and dies on panel. Yeah. That was your great concern last issue. You didn't think they would show him dying on yeah. panel. And I said, it's all right if it's a clone because then it can disintegrate into dust or smoke or nothing. That's the thing. He doesn't just die of old age. He explodes into a column of sparkly stars that sizzle up into the sky. Yes, they went with a real cartoon happy ending version of a clone dies thing where his, yeah. he transformed into pure energy is how the comic describes it until it goes, wow, that's what happens to clones when their bodies wear out. As yeah. if that's just a little 
fact everybody <laughs> knows. Tales, tales. And you even end on them looking at a, a, a prominent star in the night sky as if to say, yeah, that's him. That's him. That's his soul up there in hedgehog heaven. Yeah. So he was a fake all along. Yeah, but that's okay, Johnny, because it gives us hope for our real future. Hope that one day Robotnik will just be a bad memory. The end. Yeah, this was a good little three-parter. I enjoyed this. Yeah. You know, despite, you know, having started it going, no, he's not. Uh, you know, just refusing to engage with the premise out of the gate and just waiting to see what's the twist. And that even though I predicted it, the way it unfolded was solid. The idea that Robotnik had actually brainwashed a clone into really believing the fake story he was telling instead of it just being, oh, he was lying. Yeah. That's good, yeah. you know. And it, it adds a real tinge of tragedy to him then dying mm. and having this, this, I'll use the word, it's an exaggeration, but I'll use it. This beautiful little ending yeah. where he dies and his spirit turns to energy and fades off into the heaven. Yeah, no, it's good. I enjoyed it. This is a good little three-part. It's, 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 it's the old dramatic chops of, of Lou Stringer at work again, you know? Yeah. It doesn't end on a Beano pun. Good little story, that. Yeah. Next issue, Short Fuse is back. Welcome a bit of Short Fuse. Look forward to seeing what Lou's got in store for us. Spoilers. Richie Rich is uh, a letter that comes in from Richard Edwards in Wedmore. Dear STC, I'm getting a Sega Saturn for my birthday, and after a lot of thought, I've decided to buy Virtua Cop as my first game. However, my friend said that Virtua Cop 2 is better. Is this true? And Megadroid doesn't know and can't be f looking it up. <laughs> right, that's the... Yep. <laughs> Most sequels are similar in gameplay to the original Richard. However, there are additional extras such as extra levels and bonuses, special features, and new characters. All right, cheers. Massively unhelpful. Thanks. No Megadroid. point printing that. And did you know sometimes we got a different cover art as well? <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> cheers. Uh, once in a whirl. Dear Megadroid, I thought you might like to hear my idea for a Halloween story. Oh, here we go. I've got an idea for a comic you should do. You can have this one for free, uh, unless it takes off, of course. <laughs> Sonic has a new batty friend called Slash. Originally a bat who was turned into a bat hog. What's that then? Do you get that bit? What's that then? You... What's that then, Jonathan Franklin from Romford Essex? What's a bat hog? Yeah. I thought he was going to say a, a werebat. Were yeah, exactly. That's, or a werehog. The... That, well, yes, I thought that too. But did we just think that? Because bat hog sounds like werehog, a word no one has said at this point in time. <laughs> Ah, yes, that is in fact probably exactly it, yes. Carry on. So what is this guy going on about then? Anyway, so, so what is this guy going on about? It's, got, it's a bat who has turned into a bat hedgehog. Turned into, for some reason. Don't know. Okay, anyway. Slash, he's t Chris nearly inverted his entire head into his torso, shrugging there. Slash is worth showing in STC. Oh, okay, is he? Is he? No, is he? Is he? Is he Jonathan Franklin? Because he causes whirlwinds by spinning with his wings open. Okay, that, that's a pretty good pirate. That actually, is actually like quite a bat good. Type yeah. character. That's the yeah, answer. That's, that's good. Yeah. Trouble is, it's a you know, Espio kind of already does that, but that is cool. Espio yeah. just spins like a top. He doesn't this have wings. Is, is actually yeah. creating. Yeah. Plus, he shoots boomerang fireballs. Don't want to do that, mate. You don't want those coming you back. You don't want you? that. Yeah, it's the worst kind of fireballs you can shoot, uh, which is more than you can do, says Jonathan Franklin of Romford. <laughs> that's, such a, that, that's such a great little... You get these letters occasionally where people just abuse Megadroid. As I say, I was well used to letters being sent in that were designed to abuse uh, yeah. the host from the Transformers comic back in the 80s. But yeah, he shoots boomerang fireballs, which is more than you could do, and Megadroid replies, Aha! Uh -huh. 
but I have hidden talents, Jonathan. <laughs> Which isn't much of a response. No, I, Jonathan won that round, I think. Yeah, Jonathan scored the point on that one. But something about ending on that feels as if Jonathan became aware he was spinning out. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? You know, he's just started describing this character. Who's, uh, and he can do, and he can spin around, and he's better yeah. than Sonic, and he's better than Knuckles. I got, I got force field uh, invincibility. And he can fire fireballs, and that's more than you can do, so yeah, so there, so I'm going home. Uh, my dad can beat up your dad, and you smell. <laughs> Last letter, Barton Thinks uh, is the uh, title. You get that? Because it's yeah. sent in by Matthew Barton from Great Yarmouth in Norfolk through the miracle of email. Mm. Dear Megadroid, I thought you might like to know that me and my friends sometimes design computer games. Well, oh. do a podcast with a bloke who used to claim the same thing. <laughs> and then draw pictures of them. Among the games we've designed include Super Sonic 2000. Sonic Returns, mm. Ninja Tales. Mm. Oh, it's all getting a bit Jungle Sonic and Cave Amy mm. here at this point, isn't it? <laughs> Super Attack Bomber and Termites. I wonder if Termites was anything like Lemmings it or It must worms. have been, yeah. Finally, will any of the Sega games, especially the Sonic ones, ever be available on PC? Wow. And now we see why this letter has been printed, because they've yes. already talked about this episode. Keep at it, Matthew and friends, says Megadroid. To answer your query, I hope you appreciate the great lengths that STC have gone to with this issue's PC zone. Yeah, still doesn't make it all that much more worth printing that letter, but yeah. Wasn't called the PC zone either, but what are you going to do? Oh, what was it called? The review zone. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> you know why, don't you? Because PC Zone is a magazine, or was a magazine, and so they probably ah, couldn't call it that. yes, good point. I bet that's it. I bet they were going to call it that. Bet you anything. They had it all yeah. printed and ready, and then they went, the lawyer got on the phone and was like, uh, um. uh I mean, yeah, less of that. <laughs> Two drawings this issue. Um, we've mm. got a nice one of uh, Chuck and Head from mm -hmm. James Bundy in Reading, Berkshire. Head for the hills. The decappers are coming next. Apostrophe S. No, no, no. Mm. Decappers are coming next issue. No, that's just, nothing. Yeah. Back in the Echo review, they talked about he headbutt apostrophe S somewhat. Uh, I missed that. Yeah. It's not like me to miss that. Just shows <laughs> how disinterested I was in the review. Skimming the review, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> the one little uh, embellishment on this drawing of Chuck and Head is that Chuck is holding a copy of STC. Now, complete with its own weird little cover line <laughs> on the cover of this comic that he's drawn is a little green Sonic, just a little ball with spikes, you know, the, the Sonic moving really fast, Richard Elson cheat drawing, but it's green instead of blue. And the cover line says, has he gone green? Has the hedgehog gone green? Now, that wasn't the cover line from that one time when it was Metamorphia as a green Sonic. No, no. Huh. Well, there you are then. A little bit of co copy editing there from James Bond. Yeah. That's that's good proper STC quality rubbish cover line too. It is, yeah, yeah, well good, done. You know. Yeah, brilliant. And then the other drawing here is from Mark Penman in East Ardsley in Wakefield, in which Knuckles has donned his robe and wizard hat. <laughs> that's exactly what it is. It's Knuckles in a it robe is. and wizard hat with a staff, and he's holding a diploma from the Unseen University. So we yeah. know Mark Penman was a Discworld fan. We do. Um I got a big snorty barky laugh when I saw this. Um, Mark Penman, until about last year, lived within walking distance of my house. What? 
what? He's the guy we know. He's just a guy we know. I didn't know that he was in STC. I'm sure he told me and I just forgot, like I forget everything. He's the husband of one of Abby's best mates that she worked with at the comic shop. So that's how we know him. He's a good, successful artist. This worked out. He is an artist now. It's always nice when there's a happy ending to these pictures. Yeah. And he says he hasn't got much more to say about the picture than what we already identified, that he was into Discworld and liked STC. Uh, But he does remember that when he sent it in, which of course was earlier, there was a different prize that he really wanted. So to him, it was actually a bit bittersweet to see it in STC with the dog tags instead of the thing he was after. What? And he can't remember what that was. What on earth could that possibly have been that's better than dog tags? Anyway, so listeners, if you're in the mood to support a local artist, where local means reader of STC, it's actually the perfect time because at time of release, there is a pre-order drive going on for Mark Penman's latest hardback comic. It's an adaptation of Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. It's written by John Repian, who you might know from Albion and various 2000 AD and DC and Dark Horse stuff. And if you're into myths and stuff like that, you're gonna like him. But all you need to hear about to be convinced is the foreword by Alan Moore and the fact that it's only 15 quid and it's not long till they ship, so get on it. That is at, you ready? That is at Moore Repian, that is M-O-O-R-E-R-E-P-P-I-O-N dot com slash Green Knight. And if you want to see more of Mark's work, he's at M underscore D underscore Penman on Twitter and MD Penman on Instagram. And if you want to see more of Mark's work, he's at m-d-penman.co.uk. And by the way, doesn't this prove something we've been trying to get across with this podcast? Of course Mark was printed in STC. He's an artist, our age, from the UK. Of course he read STC. Everyone read STC. We didn't meet because of that. It's a complete coincidence, but in a, it sort of also isn't. It, it's more of an inevitability. This was not a niche publication. And it's weird and aggravating that the way the internet works means that we have to tell you that instead of everybody knowing about it. Right, back to the podcast then. The caption reads, Knuckles spells, spells like a wizard spells, spells yeah. out the facts, STC89's Halloween issue is magic. That's next issue. But before we talk about what's in next issue, anything in our mailbag? It's your letters, it's your letters, it's your letters, it's your letters. We've got one here from Nikki Stew, which is titled, Abby told me to send you folks an email. <laughs> well, that'll get our attention. Yeah. And she says, hi, sorry this is so late, but I had a really fantastic time talking to Abby at Megacon about STC and your podcast. Yay! What an absolute joy the podcast is to listen to, says Nikki. It's been great to know that there are other STC fans out there and learning that others enjoyed the comics as much as I do fills my heart with joy. I love getting my comics and sharing them with my friends, and I'd spend hours drawing Sonic and copying panels from it. I think this is what started my love of drawing, and definitely has been a huge influence on me wanting to make comics too. I had a break from Sonic for the longest time, but listening to the podcast has rekindled my love. didn't we? Yes, we did. Um, It it was sort of imposed upon us. (laughs) Yeah. I've already been looking into the IDW stuff and Abby's art on it, chef kiss. Hmm. Can't wait for you to get to the Amy and Techno stories. Being a girl into comics, it was great to see them going on adventures. Techno being my favourite character as well. I look forward to more. And I love the guests you have on as well. Stay safe, Pixel Brains! All the best from Nikki Stu, illustrator slash comic artist. P.S. Sorry, but had to add this because it's one of my favourite Techno draws I have done She's so fun. Okay, so we have a picture here. Oh, look at that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think we're looking at a sketchbook page done in the sort of markers that people who draw properly know about markers use. (laughs) That's lovely, isn't it? Oh, that's great. Love that. Very nice. Yeah. 
she's got a flappy jacket and she's got a sort of a I mean, I want to say a mobile. Almost a sort of modern Sonic style mm, Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. There's a, there's a sort of bendiness to yeah, her. And longer the... limbs. That's great. I love all techno fan art. I embrace all of it unapologetically. Oh, do you have... Nikki has a, a sketchbook with numbered pages. Oh. It's unusual, isn't it? Thanks for that, Nikki. Hope you'll continue to listen and enjoy. And you can find Nikki at NikkiStu.com, N-I-K-K-I-S-T-U, and also at NikkiStuDraws on Twitter. I don't know if it's just because we do this podcast now or what, but it does feel like there's just more STC out in the world right now than Doesn't there has it? been for a long time. Yeah, it really it does. Yeah. And I don't know if that's just perception based on, you know, how Twitter now fills my feed because it knows I do a podcast like this yeah. or because I see it and retweet it onto the official podcast thing. But it feels like there's more, just more. <sighs> I don't like remember it. seeing this level of STC stuff for a very long time and like... The fact that people are definitely doing at least some of it in response to this podcast is pretty nice. I feel like we've yeah. got the word out. Keep spreading. Sorry? Keep spreading. Yeah, that's what I thought you said. And we've got another one here from Dan who says, Dear Dave and Chris, what a smashing podcast. Oh, wow. It's like you just picked the most... Yeah, it does <laughs> sound like we're blowing our own horn when we choose the ones that begin like that, doesn't it? <laughs> well, they all begin like that. Nobody writes in and says, like, I hate your podcast. Hopefully you'll read this out. Let me tell you a thing or two. <laughs> yeah. But do, if you hate our podcast, please write in, because it'll be very funny to think of you having listened to this many episodes of it hating it <laughs> yeah it would be actually i would enjoy that as many have said already it's very heartening to come into each episode and enjoy the vibrant and contagious enthusiasm for the subject at hand being neither much of an artist nor someone equipped with the necessary language to describe the work of the artist it's really great to listen to the pair of you eloquently work through the outstanding body of work produced by kitching elson et al in what is beyond any doubt my Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, boy. Despite Sonic occupying such a prominent slot in my cultural touchstone bank, for some reason I only ever had one or two issues of the comic. I strongly suspect that I was either a year or two older than the pair of you at the time, and it just didn't stick at the time, despite having a well-read copy of Stay Sonic and having clung on to my copy of Metal City Mayhem for all those years, and not having a local newsagent means that mm. I would never have seen the comic on the shelves. I'm sorry. You didn't have a local newsagent. Where'd you live? The desert? Inconceivable. Honestly, actually, what does he mean? Like, how can you not... I mean, I'm assuming he means within walking distance. How can you not have that? Uh, do, is there a, I can any... imagine not having that. I can imagine that now, but not in 1994. There was nowhere well, in the, the UK... that was the only way to get news. The, yes! Yes! There was nowhere in the UK that didn't have a news agent. With, he, must have, he must have lived in a very interesting place, is what I'm saying, and I'd like to know about it. Did you live right up a hill in the middle of the wilderness? <laughs> but this did not prevent an unshakable link in my mind being formed between Sonic the Comic and coffee caramels from the pick and mix at the local news agent. Ooh. Uh, from the what, sorry? From the what? The local news agent, was it? The pick and mix at the local news agent? Probably Woolworths. What's going on? I'm getting very mixed messages here. But did he say the local... Yes! He said, oh. not having a local... These sentences are adjacent. And not having a local news agent meant that I would never have seen the comic on the shelves. But this didn't prevent an unshakable link in my mind being formed between STC and coffee caramels from the pick and mix up to the local news agent! Hmm. I'm sorry, but... Contradictions abound. Objection! <laughs> <laughs> I'll allow it. But watch yourself, Mr. Boomer. <laughs> What? what? What have I done? <laughs> I don't know. It's just what judges say in these situations. 
I better see where this is going quickly, Mr. Boomer. My nan being the one who actually bought me the comic. On other occasions, I would receive Thundercats, Transformers, and I just didn't hey. remember the TMNT comic book of the film. Oh, yeah, I wish I'd had that. Oh, I don't think I've ever seen that. Genuine Eastman and Laird Turtles comic, but it's an adaptation of the film. As in, they did it. Oh, I've never seen that. Oh, but I it's an adaptation of the movie. I want to see that, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's real good. And she always got me these amazing coffee caramels, like the little domed chocolates with a swirl on top, which were individually foil-wrapped in gold foil with indistinct lettering. If either of you can remember these, that would be pretty cool, but I'm not sure how common they were. No, I do remember them, except, I mean, I remember them because of how much they ming. Yeah, that's, the, that's what I was going to say. Like, <laughs> coffee caramels are the sweet yeah. of choice of the psychopath. <laughs> The serial killer. The, the, <laughs> the abnormal human. Coffee sweets. Get thee hence. <laughs> yeah, um, I've That's never understood. That's lost. <laughs> I mean, I don't know where this guy's head's at. No wonder he thinks he's got both no local news agent and a local news agent. It's those coffee creams. They've, they've addled his brain. No, I was a... Uh, uh, I feel like we're giving you a lot of abuse. Sorry about this, Dan. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> but you know it's all in good fun, because we can tell you're one of us. The, uh, the I, uh, Of course, the strawberry cream is the equivalent of the coffee cream, but nice and for human beings. And yes, and the orange is even better than that. Oh, God, no. No. <laughs> you see, the, the, these are the uh, the three genders. The <laughs> strawberry, the orange, and the coffee. I used to love the strawberry... Three points of a triangle, eh? The best strawberry creams I've ever had were the ones you used to be able to get at that cinema that I saw Independence Day at. Because they were the dome sort, with the swirl on top. They'll be exactly the same as the, as the Pick and Mix ones. And a thick chocolate base, which you see if you can bite mm. that off first so now you've got like an upturned cup of juice and it was but it wasn't the juicy sort it was the thick white uh, that's what i was gonna say because juice isn't yeah you know the yeah you want the, the fondant yeah the nice fondant, yeah, good fondant. but there's the, even then there's two versions there was a kind of liked and a kind of didn't i liked this sort where it was white and whippy and i didn't what didn't i like there was a sort where it was too thick for me or something or oh, what was the other sort where it's pink and it's I can't remember what my complaint was, but it was a significant complaint. I didn't like that other sort, and it meant that getting strawberry creams was always fraught with danger, because you never knew until you had them whether they're the nice ones or not. It's kind of like with cola bottles sometimes. Oh, God! You're getting them, whether they're the ones that you have to the, really get the stuck horrible, into, or the, the nice soft kind where the teeth just sink in. And yeah. Break. Mm, you mm, don't mm. want the nasty, waxy ones. I want a cola bottle. Oh, yeah. I, might. I, I was... This close to picking up myself a pack of Tangfastics today, and I didn't. Tangfastics are alright, but they don't have that nice quality of, of a really good cola bottle. Oh, shit. So maybe you like the opposite sort to me, because the ones I don't oh, could like, be, yeah. the ones I like are the ones that Haribo do, where they're, that's what I consider soft, right? Whereas the other ones are like thick and waxy and squarish. And... I consider them soft because when you bite, your teeth sink mm. into them, and they you, you can actually bite bits off them, mm. versus ones where you have to dig the teeth in and you know tear at them properly so you like, may be yeah you may be into the, the other, other way around yeah, yeah. how look at this get a load of this eh? yeah. all worlds are represented on this podcast oh all worlds. that's a good way of looking at it i was going to say we're enemies now and you can't be on the podcast and we have to fight but yeah <laughs> anyway now as i read along with the podcast all these brilliant comics which are entirely new to me i'm also reading through them with my son age seven yes yes that's the best letter we've ever had. 
No, seven's a number. It's not just that you're reading the scans as you read the, along with them. You're reading them with the sun. I love it. Yes. I love everything about it. Fantastic. Uh, and we'd like to thank you both for providing the inspiration for the character voices, which yes! makes the whole experience yes! <laughs> rather raucous and fun. The influence spreads. He's very much enjoying Sonic at the moment, and I thought he should be given a grounding in how Sonic is supposed to be. Yeah, quite right. Quite, 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 quite. Also making it very clear that Eggman is just a weird nickname, and everybody knows he's called Dr. Robotnik. Thanks again, guys. Keep up the super work. Sorry it's a bit rambling and disjointed, but if I have any more quip-friendly thoughts, which might stand a better chance of being re read out, <laughs> nah. I'll send them your way. And that is from Dan Leeson, aged 41 and a half. <laughs> Game Gear, Mega Drive, and Saturn owner, but never at the same time, at Crispy Floyd. Oh, let's see if we know Crispy Floyd. Yes, I definitely recognise his avatar. Oh, that's great. That's a brilliant yes. letter. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, and if you would like to be in our mailbag, along with Dan and Nikki then you can send emails, uh, voice recordings, uh, verses of the Rubber Chicken song. Uh, <laughs> there's been a few that I've been receiving over the last couple of weeks. Uh, pictures, whatever you want to send to. podcast at gmail.com. Don't get too many P's in there. S-T-C-T-Podcast. S-T-C-T-P-Odcast. Yes! Because if there was P-Podcast, that would be... Tautology. Nonsense. What's inside STC-89's hell-bent Halloween issue? Halloween. And then there's a little pair of googly eyes peering out of the darkness oh, yeah. there, the black of the page. Ooh. <laughs> and the image they've used to illustrate it is Amy. Looks like she's peering inside the Kinterborg computer's briefcase. Yes. Uh, yes. And it's like, what's inside? And she's, yes. she's looking inside it. New stories, Sonic the Tomb. Ooh, decap attack, yours, the pumpkin chaser. Plus Knuckles, hard sail, sail with a C, sail, C, like a bird sail. Sonic's world, final future shock, what? Nope, we did that no? already, you've got that wrong. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Q-Zone, Sonic Revisited. Fright Zone, scary scrolls, fair, you got have that on the Halloween issue. Yeah. And, uh, Worms! Hey! Review! Worms! Just, just shouts those two words out of Worms! <laughs> Review! On sale Wednesday, the 16th of October, 1996, £1.20. Hey! And if you want to listen to that episode, then you can do it by just looking for our podcast on your podcast listening things. Or, you can go to our website, it is stctp.com. Zone. Oh, I love that. But wherever you do listen, please do leave a review. Yes. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Sonic Podcast, and we're both on there individually as well. I am at Chris McFeely. I am at Demon Tomato Dave. This show needs support to run, and you can do that at patreon.com slash stctp, and we'll be so grateful that we will give you loads of goodies. And at this stage, it is loads of goodies. Oh my goodness, there's so many there now. At the time you listen to this, the complete end of Mobius <laughs> will now be up. The whole yeah. thing. 22? 22 yeah. separate parts mm. doing the entirety of Dave's dreadful teenage <laughs> fan fiction. Uh, referenced earlier in this very episode, and my suffering is now there for you to pay money for. That's the thing. I, I suppose we, we're leaning a bit heavily into this dreadful content. Get the dreadful thing. But I think you'll like it, because you just get to watch Chris react to how dreadful it is, and that's funny. Also, at this point, I believe you should have the complete... 
Sonic and the Silicon Warriors up there, the third of the Very four prominent. Martin Adams Sonic the Hedgehog novels. If it's not complete uh, at the time you hear this, it should be quite soon. Very soon. We're one, right one episode end, yeah. away from completing, yeah. Although, well, we're not just reading the book oh, out. No. We're, we're discussing a, it's a review it, obviously. We, we cover it the same way we cover STC. Yeah, and a donation of any amount will get you access to all that good stuff there. Our theme song is called Synchronize. That's by a band called Sonic the Comic. You can find their work at sonicthecomic.bandcamp.com. But we have been Sonic the Comic, the podcast, and we will see you next time. Oomph, <laughs> 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 <laughs>